Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Matthew, are you ready? No, that was terrible. That was the worst Optimus Prime I have ever... As soon as it left my mouth, I was like, nope, I should not have done that. But you know what? I did it. <laughs> That's a thing. You get. You know what? You gave it a try, man. That's all we can do oh, here. I mean, Peter Cullen, that voice is... I mean, it's Peter... He, I, I was just so weird. iconic. Like, how, how do so you good. how do you match how do you match that? Like, oh. I can't. I, I an Optimus Prime. You see, I, that's not even close, man. I feel like I am Optimus. Autobots, roll out. You Scourge, your time is up. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not bad. I I like it. <laughs> I, I want my I want my inner voice to be Peter Cullen. Peter just, Cullen. <laughs> you can do better. It's like you know what. I can do better, Optimus. <laughs> I will Yo, be. I will be a better person. <laughs> there's more than meets the eye. Do 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 do. <laughs> well, if you haven't figured it out by now, Matt, let the people know. Yes, uh, you're listening to the Box Office Avengers. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> you you know you're already you're, here. You're, you're already here. You know where you're at. If you if you thought you were listening to anything else, I don't know where where your mind's at. <laughs> uh, but yes, this week we are reviewing Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Now we talked about this before. This is a kind of a big movie for Transformers. It absolutely uh, is because it, it had a lot to prove on if Bumblebee was a fluke. Uh, it didn't have the greatest press when it came to the Michael Bay five films and it's three hour long runtime. So this movie with a new director in a different direction, like it had a lot to prove. It's starring Anthony Ramos, Dominic Fishback, Dominique Fishback, uh, Dean Scott uh, Vasquez. And also have voices of, like we already mentioned, Peter Cullen, uh, Ron Perlman, Peter Dinklage, Michelle Yeoh, Pete Davidson, Liza Koshi, I believe, and Cristo Fernandez. Uh, he was in Ted Lasso. Um, but yeah, directed by Stephen Cappell Jr., who directed Creed 2, and written by four different writers. You had uh, Joby Arnold, who wrote Army of the Dead and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, Eric Hober, Hoover? Eric Hober, yeah, Hober, yeah, you yeah, I said it, it right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, got, I know how to say words. Um, uh, he directed Red One and Two, Battleship, The Meg, and My Spy, which is a lot of a variety there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Darnell Metterer, Metier, Metier, yeah, and Josh Peters um, also wrote the movie, and they made their uh, their feature film screenwriting debut with this one. So. A lot of hands, a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen. But the main question we're going to answer later on in the show was, was it good? Did the Transformers make a comeback, Ernesto? Hmm, I guess gonna to... you're, they're going to have to tune in later or tune just in. skip ahead. Or go down yes. to the description and, see, mm-hmm. and find that timestamp 
and skip yep. right ahead to the review. That's right. That's right. So you can either do that or a better option, right? We got a whole bunch of show to get to before we even dive into Transformers Rise of the Beast. So much so that we've skipped not one, but two weeks worth of entertainment news. We're going to dive right into it. We're going to catch up and (laughs) (laughs) catch up with some news um, as well as uh, talk about something that just a lot of stuff that just dropped this week. But first, Ernesto, this one's for you. This this story right here is for you. Um, Okay. And (laughs) Studio Ghibli. And I hope I'm saying that right. Studio Ghibli. Um, the right Jap- first time. Yeah. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? Studio Ghibli? I, I, you know, I, f- I probably should have recognized the name before I said it. That's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on and maybe we can get a better verb. Anyway, Studio Ghibli, uh, the Japanese anime production company, has decided to release its next film with no trailers and no promotional marketing whatsoever. The film is titled How Do You Live and is directed by... Hero, Hero, Hey, Hero, Heyo Miyazaki. Zaki, yeah. Uh, the creative mind behind most of Studio Ghibli beloved films, such as Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, and Ponyo. Yeah, it's Ghibli. Uh, you said it right. I just looked Ghibli. It I did. Okay, Ghibli. Um, my uh, is it Miyazaki? Did we say that? Miyazaki. That was one. Miyazaki um, said that How Do You Live will be his final film. So those who are familiar with his work, this one, this upcoming one will be his final film, which I did not know of. Uh, Studio Ghibli previously described the film as a grand fantasy loosely inspired by Japanese author Jinzaburo Yoshino's 1937 novel, How Do You Live? Um, And it's about a coming-of-age story about the emotional and physiological development of a young boy after the death of his father. Studio Ghibli has only released one poster of the film back in December of 2022, almost like a teaser poster, so to speak, and has no plans to announce the plot summary, the voice cast, and the film setting or characters or Anything about the film until it hit theaters. One of the producers on the film said, there is an American movie coming out this summer, which he didn't name which one it was, and it's going to be released around the same time as his How Do You Live? Um, and they've made three trailers for it and released them one at a time. If you watch all three, you know everything that's going to happen in that movie. So how do moviegoers feel about that? There must be people, Ernesto, who, after watching all the trailers, don't want to actually go to the movie. So I wanted... To do the opposite of that. That same producer also revealed that it was a compliment of uh, Miyazaki uh, Miyazaki about it was a compliment from Miyazaki about the first poster that ultimately convinced him to go with such a bold, bare bones approach to releasing the movie. Um, the producer explained that I've been involved with our movies since 1984 but this was the first time the director genuinely praised me for for the poster in which i guess he i guess he made or was a part of making um he says that this is the best poster you've ever made said i feel like that was a hint so i decided let's just go with one poster for the marketing so no trailers no tv commercials at all no newspaper ads either deep down i think that's what the moviegoers uh, latently desire how do you live hits theaters july 14th in japan there's no real u.s release date at this time ernesto <coughs> excuse me Bless you. Man. yeah Oof. 
Sneeze up a storm over there. I mean, that's how excited I am to hear about that's this That's how excited you are, yes. <laughs> I think it's an interesting approach, but this in itself is the marketing approach for this movie because now we're talking Absol- about it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's what intrigued me to this movie in the first place. I was like, no, no posters. I mean, one poster, no trailers, no plot summary, no voice cast. There's nothing about it. And, and I, I kind of like what he kind of said at the end here. He said that, you know, with, I mean, and we've we've seen, we've been talking about this many many times. I mean, how we even talked about it probably two weeks ago. So many trailers out there. By the time you see all the trailers, the movie spoiled for you. So in a world in which we just have the poster to go off of, and they and and I'm sure that he's like, hey, people know what Studio Ghibli is. Like, we don't have to promote our movies. It's kind of like the same thing with Pixar. Pixar, excuse you. You're right. You're good. Uh, all right. Uh, the uh, we know what Pixar is. If we said Pixar's coming out with a new movie, that fan base is already going to watch it, no matter what the movie is, because it's Pixar. So you already have that line right there. But I mean, I'm I'm a hundred percent interested in what this movie's about, even though I don't know anything about it. And I think that's that's the intrigue about it. Now, the only thing that sucks is that this movie's going to be released on July 14th. So a lot of people are going to be talking about it after it hits theaters, and us in the U.S. are probably going to get something spoiled if it's within our you know channels of information. But if we can avoid it, I think that's. But I think it's gonna that. But it's gonna create the we're gonna want now because now I want to know like when it mm-hmm. comes out I'm gonna want to know how it does. So mm-hmm. you know, yes. they, there's already that interest from this from this market. So it's just a matter of when it's gonna come to us. So do you think that this is the one you think of because this this in itself this this news this not prom- putting out anything promotional is a fact of marketing in itself without paying for marketing so how do you think that will go do you think that's a you think that's a bold move you think it's a smart move it's a roll of the dice i mean to be honest Mm. yeah uh but either way i find this very interesting um i've never seen a studio ghibli film and that might change soon but i I, as of right now this is this is very intriguing to me so hopefully whenever this hits theaters we can we can either watch this film or at least learn more about it and see how well it did in the box office. Because, hey, I, I'm I'm rooting for a success here. Because maybe other other movies would do the same. Maybe not go as bold as just release a poster, but at the very least, like I applauded. The last time I was impressed with marketing was Avengers Endgame because they were very very secretive about that whole movie in general, and they were very they're very clever about how they marketed the film. And I believe that if I remember correctly, in the trailers, they only released about that. Like everything we saw was within the first 15 minutes or 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And I and I think that was like obviously on purpose. So when we actually saw the movie, it was a genuine surprise. But now you go watch. I mean, Fast X is a great example. And we were talking about it when we were reviewing Fast X and how much of the of the movie we've seen the trailer. And that's just not that's not the only movie. They, there's plenty of them that within three trailers, you get the whole movie there. So I think this is a very interesting experiment that he's that he's trying to do. I'm here for it, 100 mm-hmm. percent here for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So hopefully we can watch this movie. Uh, How do we live? Um, yeah, it's coming out soon, later this year. Um, Ernesto, let's talk about Movie Pass. <laughs> do you remember Movie Pass? What, what do you remember about it? Did you did you have Movie Pass? <clears throat> Excuse me. I had it for. I did have it. I had it for a little bit in the very beginning. Until it went mm-hmm. out of business. I had it at right. the very end. Right. I mean, it was enjoyable. I mean, we talked about it. We were wondering, like, you know, this is a weird business model. 
but uh, <laughs> we're going to use, use it. it. But we see that this ship yes. is going to start going down. And then it eventually did. But then yes. it showed all the other things. It showed all the other theaters, which eventually led to the Regal Pass and now the AMC Pass. And then they came back. But there was like a waiting list. You had to like sign up to get yes. in more information. So, Ernesto, I have the more Ooh. information for you. It's that right time. Now. So, it's that time. So, let's strap in. I'm curious if you are intrigued. Right now, I'm sitting very pretty with my Regal Unlimited, and you're very happy with your AMC yeah, it's A-list. Gonna be, it's going to be hard but, to sell me onto something else. Right. So, uh, MoviePass Beta actually dropped Memorial Day weekend. Right at the start of uh, – well, the start of the summer blockbuster season was with Guardians, but – they came a little bit later, so when Little Mermaid came out, we still have a solid, excuse me, two more months of the summer movie blockbuster season. So they're right in the right in the time where people will be going to the movies the most. But now, is it worth it? Let's 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 discuss first uh, <clears throat> the plan, the general plan. So it's very similar of how Movie Pass would work in like the last time. They would send you a credit card, in which you would use to purchase movie tickets either at the theater and it's I've been doing some research on it and I can't tell if you can do it online or not. I think there is, excuse me. I think there is still a check-in process that you have to do, but I don't know if you have to physically like through the app, I'm unaware of the, the mechanics there, but how it was that you had to go to the theater, check in with the time and then use, you have to go to the theater Tell the app what movie and showtime you're going to use and then use the credit card yeah. from there. Um, and it was location based. And then you can do one movie yeah. a day. And I think that was that was it. So now here's the new plan. Um, maybe a move solid plan that will go off of. So here we go. The basic plan has one to three movies, <clears throat> which equates to 34 credits. They're using this credit system now. Mm. This And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more how the credit system works. But for now, idea. I'll just go over the... Yeah, I'll go over the plans right now, and then we'll discuss the credits later. So the basic plan is equals to about one to three movies, and it's 34 credits for $10 a month. So we're back to that mm-hmm. price point. <clears throat> you said 34 the a month? Sta- 34 credits for $10 a month. So 34 credits equals one to three movies. Okay. So that's, that's their basic plan for $10 a month. Their standard plan gives you 72 credits which equals to three to seven movies, and it's $20 a month. Okay. Okay. The premium plan, which is 113 credits, equals to about five to 11 movies, and it's $30 a month. And then their pro plan, which is equals to 30 movies, they say, 640 credits, and it'll be $40 a month. Mm. So... That's what we're working with right now. If you live in New York or Southern, uh, the New York metro area or Southern California, there's a whole different pricing structure, and it's a lot more, ain't ranging anywhere from twenty to sixty dollars a month on the various plans I just talked about. Uh, so, I mean, New York and California, I guess that kind of makes sense. It's very expensive yeah. down there, um, and and so that checks out. Anywhere else besides New York and California, those are the prices. The prices that I list anywhere between ten to forty dollars. Now, how do the credits work? I think you can pretty much says, says work. I'm reading this right from the website. Uh, how credits work. Uh, a movie's credit value will vary based on demand and factors like time of day and day of the week. 
Credits give you ultimate flexibility. Save your credits for that blockbuster premiere or use them for a midweek matinee. It's up to you. So they have like a little chart here that says if you go on a Tuesday or a Monday or any type of weekday matinee, uh, you'll utilize fewer credits. If you go like during the weekday evenings or weekend evenings or opening weekends, you're using more credits. So that's why I don't I just don't know how much they cost. Mm. The credits, right? Like if I have the basic plan for 34 credits, how far can I stretch that? Or if like if I'm going opening night premiere, is that 34? And that's your one for the month, you know? I'm interested in that. Um, However, they do have rollover credits, Ernesto. Mm -hmm. So use them to save up for a month full of releases, it says. Uh, your Your credits roll over. You can have up to a maximum of two months of unused credits at any time in your account. For example, if your plan is for 34 credits per month, you can have up to 68 credits in your account. So you can save up for two months, but then in the third month, you're going to have to start using them uh, or else they expire. I wonder, I wonder why that is. I, so you can – they'll give you like, – let's say if you get three to seven movies, you can see them at any time. Or yes, I can buy two tickets for me and somebody else. Like how does that – like how do they know that you're not doing that? Mm. It's it's also – it's one ticket per day still. Oh, From one what ticket I've per gathered, day. Okay, okay. I think it's still one ticket okay. per day. So you can't see multiple movies within the same day, even though you have the credits for it. I think it's still one a day, at least from what I've gathered. I that it has not been confirmed. Um, I went through their FAQs and they didn't really specify that. Uh, speaking of FAQs, uh, the biggest benefit that comes with Movie Pass is that you can go to any theater you want. And I went the extra mile and looked at ev- almost every popular movie theater here in Orlando, Ernesto. And it checks all the boxes. It checks every AMC theater. It checks every Regal theater. It checks in the Enzian. It checks in the Aloma Cinema and Grill. Um, all the low-key ones, it still works for all of them. All the um, uh, the Cinemark theaters here in Orlando, it works mm. for all of them. So it does give you that flexibility for, they said, the most common used tier that people get is the three to seven movies for $20 a month. That's their standard. That's the one that I would probably get as well. You know, on average, I'll probably use about like, you know, I would say what, maybe four to five or so Mm. movies, give or take. Um, But yeah, so then I went to their FAQs and started seeing some other ones. Uh, Let's see how much it costs, uh, what movie theaters cancel, how the credits, reuse credit. Actually, I might have talked through all of them, actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it says three to 30 memberships. Oh, here's the other one. What kind of movies are included in my membership? You can, and I think this might be the killer here. You can currently see most 2D movies with your movie pass, but access to large format and premium screens is coming soon. Okay. So, I mean, they had already they so, had already lost me. <laughs> so, anyway, I think that's the bulk of what Movie Pass has to offer. When they're trying to come back, they're in the beta phase right now, so it's not fully formed, and they can change them. But what do you think here? Do you think no, this is absolutely not? Do you think you like not you for are, me? But I see that, this being for somebody who is maybe not loyal to a certain theater, who they don't care about. You know, I don't know because even then, like if you're if you're going to the theaters and you're not going to see like a big blockbuster and that's not something you really use all the time. I, I don't know. I I don't see the benefit when there's other when these certain theaters already have better systems already set in place for their theater 
where you can build points and because I'm assuming for Regal you still get points and stuff, right? Uh, well, I only get points when I when so like when my monthly subscription mm-hmm. gets in, like any 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 monetary value I put into Regal. I get the points okay. for. So not so, when you book tickets. So only when you only when you go to concessions and your monthly payment. Correct. But if I had Movie Pass, technically I would rank up more points because theoretically I would use Movie Pass to pay for a ticket, right? And then I they'll give me my ticket stub when I when I go yeah. to the theater. At that point, I can type in the code from the ticket stub into my Regal account and then get the points from that. So uh, technically, I'll be getting more Regal points, and I guess you can do the same thing with AMC if you were, went to an AMC theater. It does give you the flexibility, but I feel like it's, it's a, l- a little too late. See, but AMC, I get <clears throat> points every time I book a movie. Every time I book a movie, I get point. I get points for that movie. Oh, do you really? Now, actually, I don't know if I do for my monthly subscription. I would assume that I do, but I guess I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. In, I'm not entirely sure. But I know I do. Yeah. For every time I book a movie, and you know, anytime I book extra movies, anytime I'm at the concession, right? If I, if you get, you can pay for a medium and get a large. Like, you mm-hmm. get free. They said I get like free and ICs and free birthday popcorns and they. I, yes. You you build up to like these five dollar rewards, and then I'll say I'll save mm-hmm. those up. I already have a system because I go so much. I'll save those up, and like when me and me and Hannah want to have like a date night, like that's what we go with. You know, like we'll go to the dining side, and yep. then we'll just load up on all the rewards I've racked up. Yeah, and I do something similar. Like I mean, I'm still using. I'm still getting the rewards from. Uh, for my monthly payment, yeah. so that goes into the system. I also, every time you go to concessions, you you rack up points, and then also they have freebies all the time. Like it's, I have Regal Unlimited, right? So you can go as many times as you want. But sometimes in certain movies, on certain time of days, they allow you to bring a buddy with. You. Oh, see now that's a, and, see that's a cool that's a cool added bonus. Yeah, that's cool. So they're like, it's it's never for like the big ones. But it's like some of the smaller ones, there's like, you bring a friend. Or maybe not open you. I and, wonder like now if you could bring a friend to go see Mario. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like maybe. Yeah, not, they haven't if, done it for like that. Like if it's no. not for. Yeah. Oh, so even for the big releases, they don't. No, I, I'm trying to remember the, like the last like moderate one that I think. So like, remember, do you remember the film Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that came out last September or so? Maybe not. It was an A24 movie. Well, of a horror is an indie mm, flick. It's um, it was getting it was. One of their weird ones, again, a little bit popularity, um, but that was one there's like, come bring a buddy. So it's like, I feel like more of the indies film, I think when Air came out, I was able to bring a buddy if I wanted to, to that. Um, so like some of like the, but I, so far not the big blockbusters, but then every now and then Regal would also send me like, hey, for unlimited members only, we're doing an exclusive screening two days before the movie comes mm-hmm. out. For example. So like there's stuff like that as well. And then they say, they also get like, also rewards that if I go like if I go opening weekend to see a movie, they'll give me an extra thousand points or, you know, or for whatever the case may be. So like I there's a lot of perks there. I also get the birthday stuff as well. And so for the most part, like I would say every three or four times I would go to the movies, I'm able to rack up a free movie ticket from there. So and then like that's what I used to get Megan into the theater. Okay, as well. cool. So like so yeah from basically from what we both described we have our own perks and the own systems and movie pass at the end of the day will require more work for yeah. you to do and it, it requires a lot more work because you're not directly working with 
the respective theater Correct. chains from there. Um, uh, obviously, I think we've obviously said this before that AMC is obviously the better subscription service because the big factor is, is that there is no upcharge if you want to see a movie in IMAX or Dolby. You get three movies a week. And it's for 20, was it, what is it now, 20, 22, 23? Uh, it's either 21 or 22. I believe maybe 22. Okay. Uh, so for $22 a month, you get three movies a week, and you can see it in any format you want. That's that's a game changer. Yeah. Whereas in, in Regal, I can see as many movies as I want. There's no cap on it. I can go to the theater all day if I wanted to. Um, and as long as I, I just can't have the, the show times overlapping. Mm. That's my only restriction. Um, but if I want to see in a, a premium format, so in, in Regal's case, there's, um, uh, RPX and 40X and IMAX, I have to pay a premium. So I have to pay the difference. Mm. So in that case, like for 40X, it was like $8 for IMAX is four. And I think RPX is also like four or five. So it's not like a huge yeah, upcharge, but it's still... Yeah, it's not bad, but it's still something. And it's like, I think it's that's ranks in about $23 a month for that. So like, yeah, with MoviePass, there's a lot more that has to go into it. So with that, you know, I think we're going to have to pass on MoviePass. Hey! Hey! Um, but for people who don't have access to the bigger theater chains and have more smaller indie showings, or if they don't want to be brand loyal, that's not bad. Three to seven movies a month for $20 a month. With a little extra work you have to you put into it, it does give you the freedom to go at any theater you want to go to. You know that's not that's not that's not a bad option. I think they're in the step of the right direction to try to get more people back into movie yeah. pass. But their failure did cause the bigger chains to get a better system going, and it's working perfectly fine yeah. from there. Um, but but with that, um, I think I I was gonna save the one for later. We're kind of already on the topic. I have uh, a. Cool little surprise story Ooh. for you, Ernesto, that kind of is related to, say, and I don't want to put it in the notes because I want to play a little game with it. Okay. Uh, that, that's why if you, if you read it down, you're like, why? what is this? What, is, what does this idiot have in store for me? <laughs> um, but Zach Swap, I think it's Swope, S-W-O-P-E, Swope? Swoop? Swoop? Zach Swoop? Anyway, Zach has broken the record for most movies seen in theaters in a single year. Using Regal? Yes, he, ha he was using Regal. The record was at a screening for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and Zach still has a month. He still, he still has over a month to go until the new record is set. So he was able to beat the previous record in 11 months. <coughs> Which in how much? And well, and that's that's the game. That's the game here. How many movies do you think he's seen in eleven months for him to beat the record of the most movies seen in the theaters in a, in a single year? What is the record? Am I allowed to know what the record is? No, because he just beat it. I'm gonna say it's only movie movies that have been in the theaters. Correct. Movies. He. I'll say it again. He has broken the record for most movies seen in theaters mm. in a single year. So the number I'm about to tell you, it's going to be more because there's still one more month left within the year. Uh, I'm going to say a thousand. 
Okay, you overshot it a little bit. I'll give you one. I'll give you one more. It's not a thousand, but it's lower than a thousand. I'll give you one more guess. Um, seven hundred and thirty-nine. Wow, you were really close with that one. You were really close. Zach had seen seven hundred and sixteen movies in a single year. In counting, he still has the rest of June to complete. Before he, so he's already beaten the record. Now he's, he now he's he's pushing it forward. He's pushing even more. He's pushing it even more. Correct. Seven hundred and sixteen. Sixteen. Wow, that was pretty. That was pretty close. That was, you were pretty that was close. Weird. Yeah, it was really close. Like you overshot your second guess. Was like I don't know seven hundred thirty something. <laughs> I was like, because I, like, I, I was like, well, I mean, there hasn't been that many movies, but even that sounds like a lot of, that sounds like well, a lot of movies that have come out. Well, here's the thing, right? What does that mean? Like, did you rewatch the same movies again, and that still counts? Oh, or re- like, I think it has to be. You, right? It has to be. Because in my head, it's like, it's more impressive if you've seen... 716 different movies in the theater, which I guess is possible. There's a lot of indies mm. in there, and it doesn't have to be exclusively with Regal Unlimited. It did said in the article, Zach used Regal Unlimited to help reach reach that goal, but he could have went to other theaters, and as long as he has proof with his ticket stub, True. he could have achieved it that way. But if you have Regal Unlimited and you're seeing 716 movies, I really hope you're not going anywhere else to see the movie. Yeah, I mean, but I guess why would you, though? Because you can he, the, his plan to just every day, every free moment – so every day he has to he has to go every day every day that's that's his day he's like i'm gonna at so least as, see one movie so, so 365 div, or i guess 716 divided by 365 that's at least two movies a day at least so at least and that's that's a year so he did that in 11 months so let's let's call it 335 uh so 17 divided by 335 he saw at least two movies yeah at least two movies a day that's why in the theater, in the theater, yes, in the theater, and that I've seen, and that's yeah. and that's assuming he didn't go every day. So I mean, there's there's has to have been days where he saw three, and there might be a day where he was there like open to close. How many movies do you think you could squeeze in a day? If they open, most theaters open first showings at like what ten a.m. Yeah, that's ten to twelve. Let's let's say that's a two hour movie, twelve to two. I guess well, I guess you could probably knock out at least if you really pushed four, it four to five. You could. Four to five? You think so? I think you can. I've done three in a day before, but it was a long day. But like, if but if I really want to hit like a eleven p.m., I can probably hit a fourth movie in there, even a fifth, depending how short the movies are too. Ah, uh, that's a that's a good point. So I wonder, I I wonder if there was a day where he spent all day there, where it was like tent open. He was there for the first showing, and he caught the last showing. Like, oh, oh my gosh. I would have to take a break. I'd have to like go outside. Like I gotta go for a walk. I can't just sit all day like that. Or I'd get a seat where I can stand up and stretch my legs a little bit. The the most I've ever done was four, um, uh, legally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. On the Uh, record, it's four. (laughs) (laughs) How many? How many is that off the record? Is it five or six? No, no, it's still four. Oh, okay, okay. It's still four. Oh, you're talking about like movies in general. Like movies in the theater is four. Movies in a day? Uh, I've seen seven movies in a day. <laughs> what? <laughs> I literally woke up and I just sat there. 
And I, it was a lot of nineties, a lot of 90 minute movies mm, okay. that I watched. And it was just like, I just sat home and I just like, I got, I had the list and I was just going through when I, when I had COVID, that's when I hit seven. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, I woke up and let's go for it. I've been there before. It's a lot harder now because I have kids. Like I, Absolutely. I, I don't like, I don't like maybe when they're, when they leave, when they're all grown and have left <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're living their lives with their families, <laughs> then maybe at that point I'll be able to do like five or six. And even then, even then, I don't know if I, even then, I don't know. Yeah, I would, I, it's not an everyday thing I want to do though. No, that's like a one, no, that's no, like no. a one and done. Yeah. <laughs> like my average, I can say like maybe two, like comfortably. Like I can squeeze in two in a day and within within the rest of my day, I've done like, you know, all days movies and stuff. But like, I guess if you equate it to like how much episode you can watch in a day, same thing, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, either way, that's one hell of a record. No way are we beating that anytime soon. Also depends and on so, how mentally taxing these movies are. Like true. Oh my God. Like, are you watching Tenet or are you yeah. are you watching <laughs> Um, coffee and cream. Exactly. But yeah, so anyway, Movie Pass is out there for anyone who's interested. If you want to try to beat the record, the current record is 716. You can maybe get it with Movie Pass. And, and that's in 11 months. So that's not that's even the actual months. record. And so if he's I, doing I, at least three or four a day, it might. What if, what if, what if his number is 739? I'm like I'm I playing the lotto. <laughs> I want to know what his actual ending number is going to be now. <laughs> I, I by the end of June we'll get that number and I'll I'll do a little update for okay. you when I get the official word. All right. Um, uh, but yeah. So anyway, moving on. We're talking about blockbusters. Uh, most recently, Disney made a slew of major changes and additions to the theatrical release schedule. Which Very interesting. Right. With honestly, with the monks, the writers strike. And with the all the PR stuff that they have to deal with, uh, like especially the Marvel then, one, especially the Marvel ones, yeah, and the writers' strike, and you know, however long it takes to make an Avatar movie nowadays, I feel like these uh, delays and changes were kind of inevitable. Um, and these 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 schedule changes spans all across Disney's uh, production companies. Like it's not just Marvel or Disney. It's pretty much the only one that didn't weren't get hit was Pixar. We're like, we're good over here. Yeah. We're doing our own thing. Know. Yeah, we're doing our own thing. And Disney Animation is also doing just fine as well. Um, but we'll first start with the uh, from Disney. Uh, the live action Moana film is now slated to hit theaters June twenty seventh, twenty twenty five. So they gave a release date for that. Uh, from Marvel Studios, this first one's exciting. Deadpool three, previously stated for November twenty twenty four, has now moved to May third. 2024 it moved up by six months i think i'm excited for that's that. very very i mean it took captain america's slot it yeah they, it yes it did uh captain america which now has the new title of brave new world i think that the previous title was new world to order now it's called brave captain america brave new world previously stated for that uh uh may 5th 2024 slot has now moved to july 26th 2024 thunderbolts that had that release date has moved to december 20th 2024 uh blade which the previous release date of september 2024 has now moved to february 14th 2025 nothing says happy valentine's day than blade <laughs> uh, 
Fantastic Four. That's what I'm going to go see on Valentine's Day. That's right at this point. Uh, Fantastic Four, which was slated for that Valentine's Day in 2025, has now moved to May 2nd, 2025, which makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Like having Fantastic Four at the kickoff the summer season rather than Valentine's Day, I feel like they'll do better there regardless. Can I can I can I make a really small note on that? What's really sure. really crazy about that? So May 2nd is my wedding anniversary and 2025 will be 10 years. What also released on my opening week what else was opening weekend on my wedding was Avengers Age of Ultron. Really? Opening so- that was opening weekend because that was like what I did. That was like part of my <laughs> thing I did for my for my wedding, like a bunch of us got together and we went to go to a screening. It was a lot of people, and we went to a wow. screening. We went we to the screening. Seen Avengers? Oh, Age of Ultron. <laughs> I mean, it was Age of Ultron, but I mean, of but course. you know what? I it was a. I had a great time. I don't care. Of course, yeah, of course. So you did. it's just ironic. So I guess I know what I'm doing on my 10 year wedding okay. anniversary. <laughs> I'm gonna go see Marvel's First Family. <laughs> yeah, Marvel's First Family. <laughs> Um, well, in the comics, as we discussed, we, we believe yes. the first family is Guardians. Yes. The first cinematic uh, family is Guardians. There you go. Yes, exactly. Um, this one's kind of a bummer, but also makes sense. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, previously slated for May 2nd, 2025, have been pushed back a year to May 1st, 2026. And then the since that one got pushed back by a year, Avengers Secret Wars got pushed from its May 1st, 2026 release date and is now being released May 7th, 2027. So we are four years away from Secret Wars, three years away from Kang Dynasty. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so there's I'm, o- I'm okay with this because this seems to come, this seems like all post-Iger things. Like, mm-hmm. like once he took over, he's like, all right, let's push everything back. So I can get my hands on all this shit and just make yeah. sure we're good. Like, like it just feels yeah. like this is all continuation from Bob Iger taking over. I mean, this is these are all major changes to these Absolutely. slates. I mean, especially Absolutely. what's the writer strike and you know Jonathan Majors, his mm-hmm. issues. You know, whatever they gotta figure. Absolutely. Like, if they recast him, what are they gonna do? I mean, I guess the easiest thing is to just make a variant that looks like somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's an easy solution there. I mean, the, it, that, that's... the beauty of the multiverse is that I know, right? He can be, he can that that can be easily written into the story. <laughs> yes, easily written, um, and they've done it before. Um, I'm surprised that you know the only one that kind of benefited from this change is Deadpool three. At least for us, that's after the Marvels. The next big Marvel release is Deadpool three. Mm. So we have the next Marvel movie is the Marvels in November, and then we have Deadpool three in May. And so I'm down. I, and right now it's currently filming. We know that Captain America Brave New World is also filming. And then Thunderbolts is about to... F- well, I think it's being held up by the writer's strike at the moment. Um, but that's not slated for December 24. So we, there's plenty of time for to start filming on that one. Um, but yeah, currently Deadpool 3 and Captain America Brave New World are filming right now. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited for Deadpool 3. They said this one's going to kick off the... Like, it, apparently, this one's going to be the craziness of the multiverse. The, what we wanted in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, Deadpool 3 is apparently going to be it. Mm. He's going to really break it, shatter it, and I'm ready for it. Because now, he's like, he's uh, he's unshackled. It's like unshackled. Like, it's Deadpool mm-hmm. really coming into the fold. Because before, it's like, you know, the, it, they would kind of mention it, but not really. But then this right. is going to be the crossover event. And it, you know, it makes sense with the cross of Spider Verse. They're talking about all mm-hmm. the things that are happening in the multiverse. 
Yeah. I'm loving that the even with the in kind of just mentioning Sony like that there there's some there's loose connectivity that they still have between the entire Marvel like they are yes. they're all still loosely connected they're still leaving the threads and so yes, I'm interested still open. to see because not only is this is the thread to Deadpool but Deadpool's coming over like so yes like that I want to see how that's written in or if we're gonna get a tease in that in the Marvels or in any of these properties that we're only let me see I don't see it for Thunderbolts I don't really no. see it for or Secret Invasion. No, <laughs> maybe Fantastic Four might have something. May, uh, maybe I don't know. No, but I feel like it should be its own thing before we dive into Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, and that's yeah, because we have yeah, because there's going to be Fantastic Four, Wait a Year, Kang Dynasty, Wait a Year, Secret Wars. So yeah, so interesting stuff here uh, from Lucasfilm. The three untitled Star Wars films have been given new dates. So we don't know which goes to which, but we know we're going to get a Star Wars movie on May 22nd, 2026, December 18th, 2026. So two movies in 2026 and then December 17th, 2027. So we're going to get three. The three we had previously discussed before, the one with Daisy Ridley in the future, the one with James Mangold in the, the origin of the Jedi, and the one with Dave Filoni that's kind of encompassing all of the stuff that's been happening on Disney Plus mm. with the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and all that stuff. So one of those movies are going to fit one of those release dates. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. That's what's happening. It's like, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, one of them. Um, and lastly, from 20th Century Studios, the untitled Alien movie is now slated to hit theaters August 16th, 2024. And the next three are the big ones. Now, I'm going to say these dates very carefully because they are drastic changes. Avatar 3, previously stated for December 20th, 2024, now moves to December 19th, 2025. Gets pushed back by a year. Avatar 4, previously stated for December 18th, 2026, now moves to December 21st, 2029. Wow. That is a three-year push. And then Avatar 5, previously slated for December 22nd, 2028, now moves to December 19th, 2031. That's crazy to think about. We're talking about 2031 already? 2031. Now, granted, a lot of these, if you go back to the previous one, we see Star Wars taking up slots in 2026 and 2027 so that kind of makes sense that why we you know avatar is not taking the december slot so basically between star wars and avatar they're gonna be bouncing around for a little bit um so so like avatar 3 is in december 25 lucas film is december 26 then they take december 27 so far nothing in december 28 and then you have uh avatar 4 and 29 but regardless those are three years pushed back, Ernesto. Like, are people still going to care about Avatar in 2031? Matt, we said that. I know. We, said, we I have, know. Had, when did the first one come out compared to the 13 second? years ago. So, yes. I think to answer your question, yes, they will care about Avatar in that long. Because now he's proven himself. So now yes. he can literally do whatever he wants. He doesn't. That's it could fair. be another. They could push back the second one another ten years, and I don't think anybody, anybody would care. Well, I no, I'm sorry, I take that back because I feel like the second one kicked off 
like truly kicked off a new yes. adventure because we were left off in a yes. place where we're unsure. Whereas the first one is a complete story. It's almost like a pro to think about it. The first one is like a prologue to all to yes. two, three, two, three, four, and five. So it's its own self-contained yeah. story. So, yeah. but now we're in a point where we're we're in sequel material. So, yes. So but, yes, he can take. I think it's okay for them to take more time, especially with the VFX. That's gonna sure, how sure. visual how it's gonna be demanding, and plus it gives them time to really hone in on the story. If that, that's if. Fair. That's part. I mean, that's the added bonus. We just, mm-hmm. you know, we just have to be a little bit more patient. And I'm always down to be patient if we're gonna get a good story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I'm not like waiting patiently for these movies. They're just gonna pop up at some point yeah. because we waited so long. It's like eventually 2025 is gonna be here. We're gonna be talking about Avatar. And it'll be so. a be- it'll be a pretty movie to look at, but don't. It- yes, there might be a little bit of depth, but not like you know. Sure. And- yeah. I'm not going to go in there for the story. I'm going there for what Jane, what is he, what technological advancement is he going to bring with his next movie? And that's his marketing. Yeah. Which is fine because it's, you come for the visual effects, but guess what? It's good enough to bring people in the, in in the absolutely. That's what brings people to the theaters. Is that movie. So much. It it, it brings $2 billion worth of people into the theater. You just need to have a D he's like, you, you know, doesn't need to be the story. Doesn't need to be, like super in depth, but it needs it just needs he's got like like two layers. Yeah. And then <laughs> but the technical achievements that his movies have is like a million layers. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Seriously. It's so oh, they're just so good. Like it it like the underwater and I we talked about it when uh, we reviewed it back in when it came out. And mm-hmm. like the underwater CGI was just un un unmatched. Yeah. And now speaking of Avatar the Way of Water is now on Disney Plus. Absolutely. And and on Max, yeah, it's on both weird. streaming services. <laughs> well, it's not weird. It's a pre, it's a pre-existing contract. So a lot of 20th century studios movies will be streaming on both for a little bit. Mm. But ultimately, when the contract is over on Max, it would just land on Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are all the date, the the schedule changes that are that Disney had announced. So a lot of switching around, but still a lot of good content. Look forward to in the coming years. Um, moving on from that, Universal Pictures. We had briefly talked about this in our Fast X conversation. You can go listen to our spoiler review on that about two weeks ago on that, on that, on that episode, episode 173 of, right? Yeah, this 175 right now. Yeah. Jesus. 175. Or yep. 172. Is it 172? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, this is 172. Wow, that was three weeks ago we reviewed that. Yeah, movie. because then we had Brian on for Little Mermaid. Yep, and we had uh, Brandon on for the Spider-Verse. That's right. Or Cross the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So yeah, three weeks ago. Uh, so we had briefly mentioned this, but now we got more details on what's exactly happening with the future of the Fast franchise. Uh, so Universal Pictures announced that Dwayne Johnson is returning to the Fast and Furious universe with a new standalone film reprising his franchise role as Luke Hobbs. Chris Morgan, the uh, writer of Hobbs and Shaw and The Fate of the Furious, has already written the script. For the untitled film, though plot details and release date were not announced, Johnson took the social media to say in, took the social media to say in part the next Fast and Furious film you'll see the legendary lawman in will be Hobbs will be the Hobbs movie that will serve as a fresh new chapter and set and set and uh, sorry uh, serves up a new chapter and set.
that up for Fast X Part 2. Bridging the events between Fast X and Fast X Part 2. So my question is, because obviously this was uh, this was the mid-credit scene in Fast X that he was returning. Yeah. And the question that we had in in our conversation when we reviewed Fast X was, was this a tease for him to come in Fast X Part 2? Or was this a tease for another solo spinoff film? And I think we got that answer. But I think we this is what we predicted was going to happen. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, him and The Rock still kind of have that beef. Right. Right. Which, I don't know, I feel like... And so then, going back to Vin Diesel's comment of how we said that we might be having a third movie in the works, I don't know if this is what he meant by... So you have Fast X, you have this, you know, Luke Hobbs, uh, like, solo movie that takes place in between the events of Fast X and Fast X Part 2, and then you have Fast X Part 2. And that is a trilogy that he was kind of teasing and not Fast X Part 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I'd be okay with I, w- I think I would be okay with that. That that seems like maybe so. That's going to be the connective tissue between Correct. the two. So that means our – and I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw. So Idris Elba's in it. Does he die at the end of that movie? If I remember correctly, he does. Oh, okay. Yes. Was it an off-screen death or did you see him I'm, die? It's been a while since I've seen the movie, so Matt, I don't remember exactly. Matt, you are exactly the Fast how... and Furious I know. expert. Okay, <laughs> I just want to know if there's a possibility for him to come back either in this new movie that he's going to do, or if mm-hmm. he's going to be in the final film. At this point, I would say anything is possible in the fra- the Fast and Furious. They're franchise. all about bringing in the family. All about bringing the family. Like I said, I mentioned earlier. Uh, or in that episode that Ryan Reynolds was in Hobbs and Shaw, so he can make a return if he really wanted to. He did announce that Dwayne Johnson is doing a standalone film, meaning that the Shaw parts of Hobbs and Shaw, so meaning that Jason Statham is not returning in this in-between movie. You don't think you don't think it's possible for him to return? I, well, I think it's possible for him to return, but if, if these are taking place between the events of Fast X and Fast X Part Two. I believe in, in Fast X, if I remember, Jason Statham left the group because his mother was in danger. Yeah. So I guess this could then bridge Jason Statham to be in the standalone. Yeah, like he leaves them, yeah, that, so like it makes sense that he could link up <clears throat> with Hob. With Hob, yeah, that makes sense actually. Um, so yeah, if this is the if it's if the trilogy that Vin Diesel was teasing is Fast X standalone movie, Fast X Part Two, I'm okay with it. But if it's Fast X standalone movie, Fast X Part 2, and Fast X Part 3. Like we mentioned earlier, that's way too much. That's way yeah, too much. Agreed. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see about how this pans out. But at, least, at the very least, we got an answer of what, what Dwayne Johnson and that final end credit scene. So there's that. Um, and the last piece of news we have for you this week is a little bit of uh, casting news. Uh, Mason Thames. Thames? Uh, the the kid, the main star in the Black Phone, mm. and and Nico Parker, uh, she was a little girl in Dumbo, and she was also in The Last of Us. She played uh, Pedro Pascal's daughter in The Last of Us in the first episode. Um, are set to star as Hiccup and Astrid in Universal's live action adaptation of DreamWorks Animation: How to Train Your Dragon. Dean Du Bois, 
uh, the director behind Lilo and Stitch, the animated Lilo and Stitch, and the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy will return to write and direct the live-action adaptation. The film will hit theaters March 14, 2025. This will be DreamWorks Animation's first live-action adaptation. Here for it. Oh, that's, not, that's not bad casting. No, no. I mean, that's not bad casting I mean, at all. The Black Phone, that was a great film. Ah, good. Great film. That was so good. And actually, I liked I liked the daughter's character. Like when she, you know, when mm-hmm. she unfortunately passed away in the four, in the first episode, I was like, oh, that's it. I liked her. Like yeah. she would have been like I felt like she was a good addition. But yeah, now she's having a starring role. What what I find more interesting, and I think we might have talked about this briefly, but like the director Dean Du Bois, um, he directed all three How to Train Your Dragon movies, the animated versions. Does he not want to do anything else? He, he's writing and directing the live action version. He already made that movie. We saw his version. It was the first live action. It was the first How to Train a Dragon movie. Huh? So he's directing it again. Yeah, but now he gets to do live action. I mean, I I, I get it. I mean, at least it's, it would stay true to the vision. Now, it would be interesting to see what he changes. Like, after all these Fair. years, he has he get he's had, after it's been out for so long and He's expanded on the property afterwards. Now he can go right. back. He can. What if he can redo things the way he really wanted to tell the story? Sure, and and that is something interesting because this movie, by the time of this movie's release in twenty twenty five, it would have been fifteen years since the original. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. So obviously he's been with this project for fifteen years now. He went from. I mean, and these animated movies, don't, I mean, the last How to Train Your Dragon movie was in 2019, and I don't think he's directed anything else since that movie. So he just went from How to Train Your Dragon 1, 2, and 3, now the live-action version. So you're right. You make a good point. I don't think, even with the Disney live-action remakes, the same director did not do both. No. It was So this is interesting, that this will be a first. Now, this will be a directed... true... Now, this would be a good, like animated to live action to see if it's really worth it you're the mm-hmm. guy who directed it who made the magic of the first one can he recreate that same magic or is it going to be dull because it's the exact same thing like is he going right. to give us the exact same thing or is he going to take some things you know take some liberties now that he has the chance to redo it true and and also give credit to dreamworks animation just dreamworks in general they're not disney True. Even with the first with the first Shrek, they were making fun of Disney right from the get go and trying to be different from Disney. So maybe to continue that trend, they want to be different and they might give us something different and not a reimagining as Disney would call it. It would be something completely different just under the How to Train a Dragon name. So you actually you turn me around, Ernesto. I'm actually interested now. That's what I'm here for, big guy. <laughs> That's what you're here for. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> um, so, so there you go. That's all the entertainment news we have for you guys this week. As always, you can go to our social media channels on Instagram at boxoffice underscore bingers and on our Facebook page at boxofficebingers to see all the latest and breaking news. We'll post it over there first, and then we'll come back on the show, and we'll talk about it. A lot of news this week, but we did skip it for two weeks, so we got a lot of cover. Yeah. And it was this, like a lot of this big episode. News. A lot of big news that happened as well. Uh, but with that, we're going to be diving into a fun segment we like to call What You're Watching. So, Nestor, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? Oh. Matthew. Oh boy. So I finished Love and Death. Okay. Uh, How was that? It, it was great. Like I thought it was extremely interesting. I don't know if I'm gonna go back and watch Candy just because okay. I left like it was just a satisfying retelling 
of this horrible event in history. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's Elizabeth Olsen plays Candy Montgomery, who <clears throat> who who murdered Rose uh, Gore, I believe her name is. Let me get it. I mean, she murdered this woman. She, it started with an affair that she has with Jesse Plemons' character, Alan Gore. Um, yeah, Betty Gore. It was Betty Gore and Alan Gore. And like, you go through the whole rigmarole. You go through the you go through the court case. Um, hmm. I mean, it's not really a spoiler because it's an actual court case. But she act. Sure, she sure. gets off. She she doesn't. Wow. She doesn't get proved innocent. She gets proved not guilty because she does admit to hacking her up 41 times it's pretty brutal it's it is pretty intense but it is a it's a really good story for them for them to try to get in the head of candy montgomery interesting and i think think elizabeth olsen played the hell out of it i would love to see a nomination for her for Mm. her in in that role I think she did. I think she did that good. She played it that good. There were times that I forgot that she was acting. She was that good. Wow. It was wow. really shot okay. really well, uh, written really well, um, and of course at the end they give you the like little you know the title, title cards, cards of kind yeah. of the update of what has happened, and some of the stuff is just wild. Like the attorney, there's a scene where. He's in the car and he, he he's been held in contempt of court. So his wife is picking him up, and you know he's talking and he's def- he's defending Candy Montgomery. And his wife is like, you know, you knew you knew her. This is a small town. It's like mm-hmm. this is gonna weigh on you for the rest of your life. And he gets her off, and then in 1998 he committed suicide. Oh my God! It wow! Like it's a wild story. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy how. Just the roller coaster of emotions it takes you on. Because in the beginning, if you don't know the story, it's like, oh, it's just about like her and because you know I didn't watch the trailer. I went in, I went in blind. Right, so right. So I yeah. didn't know if I had watched the trailer, I would have known that it was about this murder and how that happens. But I think when, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Studio Ghibli uh, movie. Like there's a there's a there's a there's a blessing to going in blind because like with no expectations yeah. like because I was able to look at the scenes of their affair without the undercoding of like oh this is what's going to lead to the murder so like mm-hmm. I felt like I was going through it with them as I was watching it as opposed to already knowing some of the background information it was nice not knowing the background information and learning it through the story as it was happening I feel like that that similar sentiment that you just described is like watching an older movie without without like uh, the fluff that happened, like the drama that that happened when it was released. Like, for example, we talked about Don't Worry, Darling. A lot of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. A lot of the hype around it was to happen behind the scenes. Give that movie two years. Someone just finds it on HBO Max or I guess they go watch it on Max like, oh. Is that movie with Harry Styles in it? Yeah, I I forgot about this movie. We should watch it. And then they watch it and not even and watching it from the movie itself, not even associating it from the from from the drama that happened before it's released. Very so true. there's something kind of nice about that. Like Absolutely. Not knowing for sure. Um, we also are still watching Yellowstone. We are mm-hmm. burning through Yellowstone. 
We're in season three. Oh, oh, we're almost to season three. We're okay, like halfway okay. through. Remember, each episode is like a movie. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, so he said burning, so I figured he's already in season three. Yeah, we're but we're getting we're pretty close. Like maybe okay. like one or two more episodes, and we'll be on season three. Wow, uh, it the writing is so good. It's just such a great story. So what what they really did well, and this was just in an episode we watched last night. There was just they gave you a really well really well earned character moments like you you Mm. look at this character who's like all through the first season he's like this dumbass that everybody just shits on and they don't give he doesn't get a redeeming moment until the middle of season two so you have an entire season of everybody just shitting on this guy and he gets this moment and where he you know he does something great and he's like he's achieved finally achieved something for himself but you get the way that you really get to experience it with him and it's just a really well earned moment it was a moment like we were my wife were like like damn like like this moment should not have hit but it hit and we're and we're binging it so i can only imagine people who are watching it week to week and waited and waited and grew and actually grew with this character over a year. Well, I guess that's what a year and a half or two years, whatever. However, what the, what the release date is like, that must've been like a really, really great moment in that time. If you had grown with that character through that time. So, right. Right. Like, and we're early on. So I'm really, I'm actually really excited to see like that kind of writing is just, it, it excites me for what's to come later on. And there's just like a lot sure. of other crazy stuff. Like it's it's what it's it's definitely worth the watch, man. It's 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 worth your I, time. I know there's a there's among, a huge, it's a huge it's a huge commitment. Like, yeah. but it's one that you can put on the you know just like one episode at a time. Like, it's just like don't look just, at just don't look thing. at the end. <laughs> don't look at the end <laughs> because once you finish this one, that's still ongoing. So like season yes, five just true. dropped. So that means there's still a season six that's going to come later. Like, there's also I, I prequels that season, are done. <laughs> that's season five, part one. So like, that's that, right. That's, that's right. finished. That's right. So it's still got part two to drop. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, it's great. I'm 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 glad we've picked this up. This is a this okay. it's been a great show to pick up. Um, some movies. So that's all I got for shows. But I got some okay. movies that I've also watched. So I showed okay. my son Edward. The movie Rookie of the Year. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes, I've seen Rookie of the Year. Such a great, great movie. movie. He great movie. he wasn't really interested. Like it <laughs> caught his attention for like the first half, but he wasn't really feeling it towards the end. But I liked it. I thought it was, I think it's hey, a great movie. I think it's so funny. Nineties. Yeah, early nineties. Yeah, early nineties. Yeah. And also, this is a, I've kind of buried the lead. This is the main, okay. the big one I watched. I watched the Flaming Hot movie on Hulu. Oh, with Eva Longoria as the director? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you my review. So she gives a great movie, kind of detailing what the American dream, showcasing Richard Montanez, who took a rise from a janitor to an executive with his contribution with the creation of the Flaming Hot Cheetos. The movie is based on his memoir, A Boy, a Burrito, and a Cookie. Um, about how he rose through the ranks and you know basically what the movie's about. So at face value, this movie is great. What a great movie! Like just well constructed. Like there's great character moments. Like really seeing this man rise through the ranks and and the things he did about you know key moments about how he him and his family created created the the recipe for the flaming hot Cheeto. How he called. Richard, uh, 
uh, his name escapes me, Enrico, the the CEO, Tony Shalev's character in in the movie. Um, It's well known that it's not true, that there are a lot of major inconsistencies between the true story and what actually happened. Now, what is true is that he did help in the create in the marketing aspect, in the creation of it and the grassroots effort to try to build up popularity for it. But apparently, like he didn't create the Flaming Hot recipe Cheeto for the Flaming Hot Cheeto. It was already in development by a scientist in Frito-Lay, which like the LA Times did a huge expose apparently back in 2021 and they told Eva Longoria and uh, and her response was uh don't they have something else better to do than to write about this not even negating the fact that there are inconsistencies but it's like well we're already in production we're going to just keep pushing forward like i don't know it's it's just very disappointing like you still could have told the true story i guess they're sticking with they're sticking with his side of the story because in the mem, this is his story from the memoir of how he from the yeah. memoir. So this okay. this is his account of the events. That this is what is she? Oh, this is the story of, from his truth. Like they acknowledge him for the flaming hot popcorn, not even for the Cheeto itself. Like it just like I watched the movie and I wanted to you know I looked up the fact versus fiction. And then yeah. I go down this rabbit hole of like, of like <laughs> how it's not true and like how like they're telling people like just to take it at face value because his thing is like, well, there's things that are documented and there's things that happen behind the scenes that are not going to be that are not going to be documented that aren't that, you know, that I know are true, but they, they won't admit that it's true. So, but maybe there is some of that. There could be some of that. But maybe, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. I mean, obviously, they made him an executive. So he did have, he does have an influence. But now I'm watching the movie and I'm, I go back and think about the movie and I'm like, well, how much of it do I take at face value? Like, or how much of this is horseshit? <laughs> well, I, I guess, I, I, I guess at this play, at this point, what's more important to you, the real story or the movie you just watched? I think I think the I, movie I think tells there, a I great. Think there can be a I, I do agree with you. I do think that there's room for both, but the problem is, is that he already did achieve great things. Why do we need to puff up the story in this manner? And this is what I have a problem with these biopics. Like I feel like you're doing a disservice. And in in this case, it's a little different because he is the one that's saying that that's a story. So in this case, right, it is a little right. different. But just in general. Like when they take liberties like that, when they knowingly take liberties mm-hmm. or like this, it's like, well, there's so many inconsistencies. It's, I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very 50, 50 on the issue because like, then don't list it at, as a true story or like why, right. why well, are, or based... why are there inconsistencies between your story and their story? Like, what is the deal? Like, right. what is the deal with that? Like why? You know what I mean? Like I just don't understand. I mean, it's it's based off of like you said, it's based off of his memoir. So like you said, it's it's a kind of a hard like it's based off of technically a book that he wrote, and these are his words, and so that's what the movie is based off of. We've seen this. And it's kind of the same thing with Blonde. A lot yes. of the stuff that happened in Blonde wasn't one hundred percent accurate, but it was off of a of a book from a reporter, and that's what the movie is being based off. Oh no, a, a book off of somebody who was like it, it was, was a, based off speculation reports of like who she was with and things yes. that she were doing, and and how it connected to how she lived the rest of her life. I think is what it was. 
Right, right. That's right. That's right. So it wasn't necessarily all true, but it, but it was true to the book. Correct. So so that's where I guess that's where the debate comes in of like, you know, the real story of what the version of there is. And like, I guess in a way, talking about the middle ground, if the movie kind of presented it in a way that it was based off. Well, this is what I thought happened in the movie. And but you can it kind of like one of those situations where you can determine what you feel after knowing all of this, you know, but apparently that's not what happened in this movie. Yeah. But you do have me intrigued, though, because you're in, you're in, you know, you 50, you're 50, 50 on it makes you want but to I'm watch all, it. But, I, and I didn't but I'm I not have... 50, 50 on the movie. The movie was great. I actually really. Yeah. Re- and I think that's the problem I have is that I, I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed the movie because I, I went because they're they're telling me it's a true story. But then I do this research and it's like there's all these inconsistencies. It's like. Well, well, what is that? You know, I don't know. Right, right. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I was, I was, I wasn't gonna give that movie a look, but now you have me interested. I, I'm, I'm curious for you to. I would love. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, I think the movie's great. I think it tells a great story. Okay. I mean, it tells it. It's an immigrant underdog story. You know, he immigrated yeah, over yeah. here, and he, you know, he went from literally nothing, and somebody took a chance on him, and he was able to grind his way all the way up. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, definitely a story that makes sense that Evil Angora will be directing. Yeah, so I'll put it that way. But yeah, but uh, anyway, what is that? You know what else you got? Um, so I've I've watched the 1989 Bat- Michael Keaton's Batman. I'm kind of prepping myself for mm. Flash, and I've also that's all I've been watching. But I've also read I reread um, the Flashpoint comic book. Oh, so and I okay. watched and I think I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago I watched uh, I watched an animated film on Max, um, or I may not have mentioned it. I don't remember. It's been, we've had, which, which animated? They, film? they have Sorry. the Flashpoint Paradox on Max, which is the Flashpoint storyline. This it's the, yeah. it's their version of it of the film in animated in, of, of, of the, the film of the story in animated form of the story. Okay. And it's got it, it's got great. It. It's good. Um, it's really good. It's yeah. very dark. <laughs> But it does tell the Flashpoint story, which is what the movie is, which is, yeah. which is what the movie is going to be about. Right. Uh, just as a tease, I know you just mentioned it. I also watch Batman 1989. I I want to save it for next okay. week uh, when, we, when we have a fuller discussion. But I'm also starting my binge, and I will say this: either I've never seen that movie before, or I don't remember that movie. It's at from all. the late '80s, Matthew. Yeah, it's 1989, and then I think uh, I think early 90s is Batman yeah. Returns, which again I'm on the fence of I don't remember if I've seen it before or if I just, I'm about to watch it for the first time. But I that discussion based off the review, I kind of want to I I'm curious on on your rewatch thoughts. I guess we've seen a lot of iterations of Batman since 1989. Uh, I think um, this is the one that kicked it off. So I mean, I'm a yes. Michael. I. I've watched this movie religiously when I was a kid. I used to watch this movie over really? and okay. over and over and over again. Um, this is my Michael Keaton and Kevin Conroy are my Batman. Oh, you're Batman. Okay, I I would disagree with myself. <laughs> but then well, again, you I think I, it's George Clooney bat nipples. No, I don't. <laughs> what if it is Ernesto? What if it is? <laughs> we stand with bat nipples. Um, but yeah, I um, yeah I I. Yeah, I'll, I'll we'll discuss further next week. Okay, uh, well then that's all I got. Okay, that's all you got. Um, so with that, um, I did some prep for Transformers, which we'll dive into in a second. 
But aside from the prep for Transformers, I watched one show. I watched the whole season in a day. Uh, there's only one season out right now. And it's a, it's a show that you recommended. That I... Wow. Uh, in, in Kind of in lieu of Transformers, I, I watched Transformers and I was like, you know what? I like Dom- Dominique Fishback. I'm gonna give Ooh. I'm gonna give Swarm a look, <laughs> and I I binged it in a day. I started at three and I ended like at nine. Isn't it, it was, wild? It was <laughs> one after the other, seven episodes. I was like, I'm hooked, man. Thirty thirty minutes goes by quick <laughs> in that show. And she's was, really good. I guess we we she, called her for all the way from Project Power. Like we did. She's a great. She's a great actress. What's crazy is that honestly, like for her, like her acting chops. For in my opinion, I really saw in episode four the episode with Billie Eilish, and mm. we're we're gonna be diving into spoilers on this show because I know enough to have seen it, and I got some. We got we got some things that Greg got to discuss here. Um, you might have to refresh my memory. It has been a week, but I do. It has been a while since a, a couple weeks since I watched it. Yeah. Um, but the episode of Billie Eilish where she goes into like this convict, this cult oh, like yes. Yes. All, all women's yes. group. Yeah. And I was like, is that Billie Eilish? And sure enough, it is. Which, by the way, she did great in that episode, Billie Absolutely. Eilish. I was like surprised. I've never seen her act before. And it's like, she did a really good job. It was very uh, mesmerizing and like intense remind, in some of those Kind of reminds me of Lady Gaga acting level. Yep. Right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I can see it. Um, but yeah, when, when like, basically when Dominic Fishback, Dominic Fishback was getting, uh, like hypnotized, like in this trance, that's when I saw her true acting ability in that scene. I was like, damn, she's good. <laughs> she is so good. And this movie, this series is so offbeat. And I think you already know episode six was the mockumentary. I loved that episode right? i was like what is happening right now what are they doing and then i'm like because then it made me look it's like oh this is a real person and it's not no. but the events are it's real. not a real but the events in which so it took me a minute i had to like read a few things and and really fully understand it so, but the events were inspired by fan, either real life murders or fan related deaths. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that is that is that the idea? Based yeah. off of a fictional character that Dominique Fishback plays. Yeah, she and, she was the she was the connecting fiber between these stories. These like stories. they made that's what that was the narrative is that they took these stories and they put them in a person. Because they're all different events, and right. so instead of telling these different little stories, let's put it into one person to encapsulate the the person that the beehive creates. It's kind of how what I saw. Right. Like, yes. Or or can or yeah the the toxic the toxicity Ooh, of wow, man. Look at you. Wow. Thank you. Uh, big word. Big, big, big word. Words. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh of of like fan base can be how like toxic it can be how crazy it can be related to these murders that were happening all across the country and so much so when when we get to episode six and we get to that mockumentary i was literally like oh so this is oh this is so this is basically it it fooled me yeah i was i was like what the the fact that that they kept bleeping out her name and then they would be mouthing yes not Nyjah, but they will be mouthing Beyonce. Mouthing Beyonce, <laughs> yes. 
it took me a minute, to, like halfway through the episode, like oh, they're not saying Nyjah, like what they're they're saying Beyonce. And when they got like the the Beehive representative, it's like, oh, that's not us, that's not me. It's like, no, they're they're talking about Beyonce. Yes. I was, I was like, my God, I'm freaking out right now. It's like it's not making any sense to me. Um, but it's it's a mind, it's a mind yeah. fuck that that show, and it's wild. That show is wild. Donald Clover, man. He's, um, he's, a, he, he's, he's on the creator. To me, he's on the creator level of Jordan Peele. I see him and Jordan Peele there mm-hmm. where they're great comedic geniuses. Like they're so great as comedians, but they are able to tap into this, the, this other darker yeah. side of them. You know, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm here. I'm really enjoying all of their work, both of them, all of their work. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy how this story kind of evolved and, like and really, how much like devotion and like she was willing to kill for the thing that she was very passionate about, which is scary. And I feel like it's we're not that far off based on how pe- people either talk on social media or react to certain things, or when they how they kind of just freak out when they see something that they love. And it does not necessarily have to be an artist but anything that they're passionate about. Like, I think when you, when you first talked about this show, I mentioned star Wars. I feel like a star Wars fan base mm. can get to this level because of like, they, they, they basically humiliated one of the actors. Um, uh, something, I forgot her name, uh, but she played. Wow. I, I, I can draw a blank right now, but she was in the last Jedi and it kind of warded her off star Wars altogether because of the ridicule that they gave this actress and she's only just part of the movie. She like, like, and it was unfair for that. Like, it's like that's so damaging. Mm. Are you talking about the and Asian the actress last... from Last Jedi? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yes. Um, and so, so yeah, it's it was it's horrible that she even went through that, and that's just a, a small part of what the show kind of exaggerated on of how people can be crazy about the fan base. And she was literally willing to go broke and get a credit card. And spend eight, you know, thousand dollars worth of ticket when she has no money, just to see this person live, and she has nothing. Like the artist is not affiliated with the fans to exactly. that level, whatsoever. And like you have created this fantasy in your head in which it's not real, which is which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it was a in- very interesting show. Bravo for uh, Amazon to put that out. Um, I think it was all. I think it was released all at once, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm not sure. but yeah, but it was, it, oh, it was, was so good. interesting watch. It was interesting very, watch. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed um, it. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I was hooked. Like, like episode one kind of intrigued me. It was two and three that got me along and it was four that sold mm. me. And then that was already, I mean, that was halfway through the series, but still I was at that point I was already committed to it, but just like the level they're willing to go to for the thing that they, that they are passionate about. It was insane to me so much so that she was stalking people and just straight up murdering them for saying anything negative about Nyjah mm-hmm. uh in this scenario and then she was like who's your favorite artist <laughs> so weird and that's like a serial killer saying that you can do is like you want to know how i got these scars like that's how the joker would start a conversation before he would do something I mean, like just, that it's like who's your favorite just to artist? the level she went like the whole reason she was working at that strip club was to find that guy who said something about Nyjah yes. online and just was trying to find her moment to try to to, to get to him, to find him. Mm-hmm. Just so she yeah. can do whatever she wanted. Just, What's your favorite artist? 
Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, so what's your favorite scary movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the line that they took it from. Uh, but yeah, Wild Show. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. Hopefully I didn't spoil too much, but it's on Prime, so definitely go give it a watch. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a quick binge, too. Like I said, I was I was able to finish it within like, I don't know, like within the six hour time nice. frame. And so it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, and then the other two things that I watched was I watched uh, Bumblebee mm. and I watched the the first Transformers. I said I would try to hit those two at the very least watching into Transformers Rise of the Beast. What I did, though, is I watched Bumblebee. Then I went to the theater and saw Rise of uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast. And then because I was still in the mood, I watched Michael Bay's first Transformers movie. So that was the order in which I watched it. And I got an interesting take a take on it. Yeah. Kind of like where they're going and where it kind of started and where that started and where how that was going and all that stuff. But um, but this is a great segue. And we'll kind of dive into this um, into our spoiler review of Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, and Ernesto, were you, did you get a chance to watch Bumblebee before this I movie? I didn't, but I, what I will say is that I, I, I'm kind of, if I don't need to rewatch everything, like, I don't, depending on the property, this one I wasn't real willing sure. to, so I kind of wanted to go in sure. with the, let's see if the movie warrants for me to see Bumblebee. And I will say just for that fact alone that I think the movie, like, you don't need to watch Absolutely. It's not priority viewing. Like you can go into this blind, not watching any other Transformers movie. Yeah, and Bumblebee took place in the eighties. Uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast took place in the nineties. So this is still within canon. They're still trying to keep it together that all of this took place before the first Transformers movie um, in twenty uh, two thousand seven. And so if I was following along in that in that way i kind of watched it in chronological order in which bumblebee was number one rise of the beast was two and then transformers would then be three and so when i watched bumblebee it wasn't it's sitting at a 91 percent of rotten tomatoes which is very generous <laughs> in my opinion it does not deserve to be 91 but it was it was fine. when it came out I think when reason, it came out that movie right. was i mean was everything like that movie was so big when it came out yes and also it was such a a huge left turn from what Michael Bay was pumping for the last, you know, few years. So at least what we, with a new director, we thought because then we found out that there were sh shots from the island in the in the chase scene with the Decepticons around the highway. It's yes, literally yeah, shot yeah, for yeah. shot the same. He just put he just slapped the slapped the transformer on top. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So. So. Um. So Bumblebee wasn't wasn't a bad watch. But to your credit, going into Rise of the Beast. They don't really mention it except for one line where where Optimus was like, I know you have your relationship with the humans, but not all humans are like that one. Mm. And that was it. That was the only line that was referenced to Bumblebee. But it's a good standalone movie. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a bad one. Um, um, and it does leave. I saw I saw I saw an interview with the director and um, there apparently is a, a deleted scene. that is a much longer moment that gives ode to the Bumblebee movie. Got he, it. Like, okay. I think he shows okay. a picture to Optimus, and and there's there, there's like a whole scene to, where, between all that, but it got cut out of the film. Which I think it, it's fine. Yeah. It didn't need to be there. It didn't need to be there at all. Um, I think Bumblebee works as its own standalone movie, and even how Bumblebee ended does set up for Rise of the mm. Beasts. 
So it's still that it still does a good job of setting up to the events of this movie, and it also doesn't need it to be necessary viewing. So with that, I will dive into. Um, and I also think that even watching Rise of the Beast and then watching Transformers after that, um, it it still works. It like they don't they they still within the story it still works for what they're trying. If we're gonna watch these all in this you know chronological order, uh, and with which we you know in which this happens, um, it still it still works for it. Um, but watching Rise of the Beast and watching Transformers, man, what a different movie they oh, are! Of course, night. Night and day, but I will say this, because I still have a soft spot for the first Transformers movie, and I was since I was already in the mood when I watched it, I still it, it kind of slowed down for me a little bit. But I, I've seen a lot more Michael Bay movies since I've seen Transformers, mm. like like I've seen them again, like some of the older ones, and it's very much a Michael Bay movie. You have the you know the Dutch angles, the stylistic slow motions. Um, that he uses in other movies, um, the fast talking man, Shia LaBeouf was talking like a mile a minute in those movies. But the one scene that still got me was with Bernie Mac, <laughs> with Bernie Mac. I love that scene. <laughs> hey, Mavi! <Mammy! laughs> I I replayed it twice because it still cracked me up, and it's so. He's like, oh, I love I love my sweet old mammy, hey mammy, and then he throws the she throws the finger at him. He's like, oh, if I had a rock, I'll bust your I'll head, bust bitch. your head, bitch. <laughs> and I was like, damn. Oh my god, it's still still hits, still hits all these years later. It's so funny, so funny as hell. Uh, rest in peace, yeah. Bernie Mac. Um, but anyway, let's, again, dive into our spoiler review of Transformers Rise of the Beast. Ernesto, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts on the film? I really like this movie. Like, mm. I went in with... My thoughts on this one are very similar to how I saw the first Thor movie. I went, when, mm. I went in with zero to no expectations, and I was and I was pleasantly surprised. It's got some, you know, it's got some one-liner cheesiness, but I, it... It, they found a way to make it fit within the story. I think the director did a really good job of like <clears throat> giving us more of a of a centralized story where you got to like actually, you know, you see Optimus going through shit where he's like, you really, really mm-hmm. dwelling on how he lost, how many people he's lost, and and what hit and how his actions have affected his team, and and I, like I felt like we got more intimate with the Autobots and even the Maximals, like really learning about them. Um, And I think that's what was missing from the subsequent Transformers movies where it was all about the action, but we, there was no really a a connected storyline to, for us to really care about the Decepticons. It was more about the humans where I felt like this one, it was more, it was more balanced. Like we did get a storyline. Like I really felt, I felt, I really felt for Anthony Ramos's character. Like, when he had his rising moment, like I felt, and he was like becoming like the hero and like the person he's meant to be. Like I was there with him. I was feeling the emotions with him. Like I was there. I was in it for for that part of the movie. There wasn't really anything that pulled me out. I thought everything. I mean, it was good. The action was good. The little cheesy one liners they they seemed to work. All the voice acting was good. I really liked the uh, scourge, scourge, scourge as a scourge, scourge, scourge as yeah. a like a mini villain to Omnicron. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I th- I, th- I mean, the score hits. I mean, Steve oh Jombrowski. I mean, he brings it again for this one. Well, he didn't. He did themes. He didn't do the score. Really? Yeah. He he. Um, a different composer, a brand new composer, did 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 the score. But he did. I mean, the th- he did three themes, and but those are the themes that yeah, hit. those are my those are the ones <laughs> that really hit for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just trying to remember. Uh, I want to get the name right for. Here we go. His. Oh, I don't even know how. Um, Jonik Bon Thames. Jog, Jognik Bon Thames. When I look at him at Apple Music, the only thing he's done is this soundtrack and is this score. Well, so I'm here. I'm I'm a I'm here. I'm here for it. I I thought it was really well done. It obviously it really added to the movie. I think maybe where some people might say the story's not there, but I think this is meant for a younger audience like my and i saw it with my old two older boys and they loved it and 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 maybe that's part of and maybe that's part of my enjoyment is seeing them enjoy it but sure i found myself wrapped up into the movie oh but i do have a oh but i do have a movie theater experience story to tell you oh no (laughs) so I, i was like you know what i picked a matinee so you know what i don't normally put myself in the middle of the theater but i'm gonna picked my row and i smacked we got the like right dead center of the screen it's like oh this will be fun two people sit direct not like skip a seat they are in the seats directly next to me (laughs) on top of that they were on their phone the entire oh i would have moved i got up and went to the front desk and complained and they did nothing what are they gonna do with us, though? What the fuck? What I don't do? know. So what's the point of my? What's the point of me telling them? Yeah. What, what was the point of me telling him? What he okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> you saw your movie, right? Okay. <laughs> but it's just so annoying. But like, why do I have to get? I just don't feel the need to have to say. So, I, I shouldn't have to say something to him. But I made it pretty. Every time he was on his phone, I took my water bottle. I'm so passive aggressive. I just took my water bottle and I'd be like, this is going to get really loud if you're listening. It's like (laughs) really aggressive. (laughs) I was real aggressive on purpose. And I'd be like (laughs) 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 So let me ask you this. Were there, was it an empty Yes. Next to us, the entire, literally after him, the entire row was empty all the way into the aisle. I'm like, every time, every so often, when and when he would look on his phone, I would sit closer to him, and I would just, I would literally, <laughs> I would still be watching the movie, but I'd be like, purposely leaning all the way over onto his side to make it very obvious that that he would think I'm looking at his phone. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. <laughs> Whatever. At that point, you would have like, I would have gotten up. And moved somewhere else. I know you. I know you were with your kids. But I still. But, but guess what, Matt? That still let me enjoy the entire. I still enjoyed. That's fair. Like the yeah, movie's good fair. enough that I had to deal with that, and I still enjoyed the entire movie. That's fair. So that's fair. Um, I think going to your point, like it being a more human story. I think part of the appeal, and I, and I was, I also enjoyed the movie. I, very similar to you, I went in with very low expectations. And I think that helped when the movie was actually good. Yes. It was like, oh, oh, okay. This is this is actually not that bad. Yes. And and this we're telling a decent story here. And I think kicking off 
which what this movie and sorry Michael Bay, you're just not good at it. What this what this movie excels at is telling a movie about they, you got some culture in there, you Absolutely. got some diversity in there, like. You know, you have, you know, uh, Hispanic in New York, right? It was New York, right? The Bronx? Yeah. Yeah, it was in the Bronx, yeah. Um, struggling to pay rent. And you have his, this kid who needs medical attention. That's already pulling on your heartstrings right there alone. Like, like, like none of the other movies had that. It was a bunch of chaos and, and these big budget, you know, scenes, which... This movie still yeah, had they did, but just you had that emotion. You, you just still had that emotional, t- you know, emotional string there, a very loose one, but you still had one. And the the connection with Anthony Ramos really worked for the movie, and because Mirage it was and Pete Davidson. Wow, what a surprise! Surprisingly, I was yes! really blown away. I'm to be honest, I was blown away by his performance, only because I, I had no expect. I did that's I had no expectations from him. So I didn't really go into the movie looking at the voice cast for this movie. I know Peter Cullen was coming back as Optimus Prime. I know Anthony Ramos and Dominic Fishback. That was it. I know who voices the other robots because I didn't care. Yeah. And then I was like, is that is that Pete Davidson? <laughs> and then I was like, that's that's a hundred percent Pete Davidson. Like that that swagger that he had and the voice and it's like, all right, I'm Pete Davidson. Um, and uh, <laughs> that actually wasn't that bad. I'm... Just like that. That's <laughs> exactly like... how he sounded. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Anthony Ramos. That's not that. That's pretty close. Anyway, <laughs> what am I gonna do with you, Matthew? Oh, no. <laughs> There's a part of me that wants to continue with the voice, but I'm just gonna cut it for now. Please stop. <laughs> We've had enough. We got it. You got. I think you did. You did. You did fine. <laughs> it's a transformer. It's a transformer. I also love the little compact. And I don't know if it was intentional. It more than likely was with the little callback to Marky Mark with Mirage and Anthony Ramos. Like, oh, Marky Mark, he's going to be an actor? Yes. Like he, he was – last I heard, he was a um, he was a singer. He was part of the Funky Bunch. He's heard he's going to try acting now. <laughs> yes. I thought that was funny. That was the funny. relationship between Mirage and Anthony Ramos's character – And his really, brother, the three of and them. And his brother. The three of them really worked for the movie. They really cent- – they – Unfortunately, very quickly they formed the, between the three of them a better bond as human to tran- to uh, to like Transformer, better than three movies worth of of uh, Shia LaBeouf and Bumblebee. Agreed. And, and yes. I and I you know after going back and watching, you know, the uh, the first Transformers movie, yeah, the connection was there, but it was so muddled with everything else that was happening in the Transformers movie. When you really look at the connection between Bumblebee. And and Shia LaBeouf, it what once the once Optimus Prime and everyone comes into play and they stop you know utilizing, uh, and they start going into like Sector Seven, all that all that military stuff in the film, we lose the human you know uh, robot uh, you know relationship in that movie, and we went right for we need to save the world mode. Where in this one, it was always there. And yeah. it got stronger when we when Mirage and Anthony Ramos became buddies at that point. And then you even had that one scene where it's like, "Hey, man, I need I need to talk with you." It's like, "Oh, me? Okay." And like the little 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 brother's like, "Hey, you got to bring him back." It's like he was like putting off his big boy pants, like his yeah. little brother. He was like trying to put, "Hey, hey, you big robot." Yeah, make I'm sure he to comes you. back. <laughs> make sure he's come back. And he's like, "All right, little man, I got you." You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like that was like a it was a sweet moment in the movie. 
Yeah, and then and then later on he has he like morphed the the radio into his into his armor or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, like that was great. Like I don't know, like it was all great. And then like his brother's talking to him, and like you get that moment where he's like right before he becomes like the like the suit of armor, which I don't know if that's a thing from Transformers. I'm assuming that it is. I so we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the ending of the movie in a second, um, but. I when when he turned into Iron Man at the end of this movie, I was like, ah, "That's a stretch." But unless it's unless it's something that is canon with the franchise. Sure, sure. Which I don't know. I don't know if anyone ever turned into Iron Man or like a morph transformer. Yes, um, it's in a that. Thing. But it is. Yeah, I'm thing? looking at a screenshot from one of the from the cartoon. It's a. It's an exosuit, Transformers from the Transformers Wiki. I'm gonna, so this is Transformers Wiki. An exosuit is a is form of powered armor used by humans and other humanoids. They are usually used to protect the warehouse armor, such as vacuum of space, deep water, or the middle of battle between warring factions of giant robots. Mm, okay. So cartoon continuity. It was in the cartoon. It was in the Great Transformer War. The headmaster's cartoon, so it's it is it is most definitely a thing. Okay, okay, so that they didn't just pull it out of their ass. No, no, I guess I guess that's better. That's better to hear that. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a little much, and mainly because I've never seen it in the other Transformers movies, and like I thought it was a little bit of a stretch when he got like like the, the arm, hand. the yeah. hand. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about this movie, and I felt like this is where it was like that midpoint drag, <laughs> is when we first got to Peru. And mm. and them like after getting on the plane, I didn't. I wasn't too convinced of after everything that happened in the museum, and they were like, "We need to go to Peru." Oh, oh I think I know where we're going. When the globe trotting happened, and they were in the plane, and we're like, "Okay, we have to destroy it to save our world," type of deal. I I, I kind of lost interest a little bit in the movie. Mm. Like that was a really low point for me. And then when they're trying to find the MacGuffin of it all. And they're down by the like the underground of Peru, and I was like, eh. And like in the story, I get it because they're like, well, we can't we can't drive in the streets because of this parade and because we're robots, but you human-sized people can do it. So story-wise, it gave them an excuse to do something. And the same thing with Anthony Ramos and Mirage being like, or Mirage telling Optimus Prime that Anthony Ramos can go and steal the thing in the museum, same bit. He's like, oh, we're robots. We can't do that. But a human can do that. It was a lot easier. Yeah. So, like, they story-wise, they put a lot of, like, well, the humans can do it. So, to me, it helped and hurt the movie because they used it as a device to keep the humans relevant and important to the story. Mm. But also, it felt kind of cheesy in a way that is like, okay, I get it. They're smaller than you. But then, so then they go in Peru and they find the secret underground cave and, like, this little world. But then when they needed help, they were just bamming through Peru <laughs> when they said they couldn't do yeah. that. So I was like, "All right, guys, what's going on here?" But then once they met with the with the with the was it Primals is what they're called. Mm-hmm. The movie got better from there. Ah, well, that festival because I listened to the uh, Deadline did they did a, an interview with the director, um, mm-hmm. and that festival is a real thing. That's a real festival that they have in Peru. Oh, I'm sure. And they yeah. actually they actually went to Peru and shot at a bunch of remote locations. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was here for it because to me, like, the whole thing of the movie is 
is finding value in humans who think that they don't have value in themselves, a.k.a. Mm. Anthony Ramos. And Optimus has always been, the op, for lack of a better term, like the, the, the one who has optimism. Like he's very optimistic mm-hmm. about what the humans can do, at least, well, actually not at first, but then he eventually warms up because he starts to see their value in right. the tasks that they've been given in their help when he, you know, he's like, you know, I it just his in his appreciation for them helping him. I think what I liked a lot about, you know, Optimus Prime in this movie is that in the, even going back and watching the first Transformers movie, he was all about we need to protect the humans at all costs. But now you have Rise of the Beast, which, which is technically a prequel to that movie, and it takes place in the 90s. We're seeing an Optimus Prime who is unsure of the humans. Mm-hmm. He's like, they, I don't need them. I know, he even said to Bumblebee, I know you had a relationship with the humans, and so Bumblebee gets it. But then with Optimus, like, well, I don't have that, and I just want to go home. Like, if you look at the beginning of Bumblebee, there was a war on Cybertron that we got to see a little bit, and Optimus Prime, four years later, or however many years later, I don't think it's four, a little bit, maybe more than that, but, like, I, I want to get home. That's my main objective, and this is the tool for me to get home. So, like, I sure... I don't trust them, but if they're willing, if they're going to help me, my end goal is just to get home. And we see that change throughout the movie, as well as we get some great advice from, um, some from the Maximal. That's right, it was Maximals. What mm-hmm. is, the Maximals are their names, um, and from Ron Perlman's character, the Gorilla Optim- Transformer, Optimus Primal. Optimus Primal. Thank you. Um, and we got to see how he's like, even Optimus was like, wait a minute. Or Optimus Prime, he was like, "You, you trust these humans with with the MacGuffin? How? Why would you do that? I don't. I don't know what the name is. I'm just gonna call him <laughs> MacGuffin. Um, you you trust the humans with this? And he's like, "Well, yeah, because we've been around here and for generations we've been here, and they've been, you know, they helped us. And he was able for for years gain the trust of the people and kind of also stay in hiding. I also like that there was an element of sacrifice where, I mean, Optimus was ultimately saved by Anthony Ramos, but he, you see that he was willing. He was, he was ready. He was ready to go up with him, like to protect his team and protect the world. Like he was willing, like that's the links that like, I like seeing that aspect of Optimus, like knowing yeah. that he's willing to sacrifice himself because we already, obviously we know he's going to live. <laughs> yeah. And also, Again, again, because we know this is a prequel, we even talking about the death of Bumblebee in the film. Like he definitely sacrificed himself and he got a brutal death ish in the movie. To then he got revived because of the waves that were going in. He happened to be on a rock or something. Yeah, he was on a rock that was charged with energon. Right. And when and the only way to get the energon is by a massive event, which is what the trans the MacGuffin key opened yes. up and sent and activated all the energon that was and, in his, that was and it. it was unicron was his name that was kind yeah. of in, invading mm-hmm. he was like he's basically galactus yeah he's like the, the ultimate eater. big bad <clears throat> right and he was i guess in case he's kind of teased because he's not dead he just couldn't consume anymore he's he was too massive to to come through Right, but then they 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 end up breaking the MacGuffin, and then he got sucked back up, so he yeah. wasn't able to tra- teleport no. into Earth and destroy it or whatever. Um, so with that, like I thought it was kind of cool that uh, Michelle Yeoh's uh, character she voiced the uh, the eagle, and um, that was kind of interesting what they did with that one as well. Like she was helping out; she was kind of one of the first the primals, maximals that we met, and then they kind of infected her, and they had to kill her. Another sense of and it was kind of a dark moment in the movie when you think yeah. about it. 
It was like, you can go ahead. You can, you can go ahead and kill me because I'm infected. Like that's, that's deep stuff right there. Like there's no coming back. Like I'm, I'm done. I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty hardcore, you know? Um, and we also had some great action scenes that even the stuff that happened in the museum was pretty, was pretty cool. And also funny, also funny as well. Um, but yeah, and then we get, to me, they had one hell of a finale. You mean the end credit scene? No, 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 no. The, 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 the fight scene. Oh, absolutely. That final battle scene. I just, once again, the, the, the movie kind of ruined, the trailer kind of ruined the movie in that aspect because, like, mm. you see Optimus gets, you see Bumblebee get stabbed, but then you're also in the trailer. They are they show the scene where his, which it ends he's, up being his return, his his right. his like main return of that scene where he's falling in the sky, shooting, you know, getting everybody. It's like, why would you sh- yeah. why would you show us that? That's a that's a huge that's a huge moment in the in the film. That's us learning film, that he's yeah. back alive, and like this is his big opening return. And you give that away in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, do better. No, for do real. Better. Like that's a that's yeah. that's that's a bad that's a bad boo boo. <laughs> that's a bad because boo-boo. it would have made that uh, moment hit a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you you go back and you see Optimus sacrifice. I think in that moment he realized that you know the humans are worth saving, so to speak, and only because that Anthony Ramos was willing to kind of go down the line for mirage yeah. he saw the dedication he had for the transformers and the autobots so why why not do the you know do the same for for them yeah. and we didn't we didn't talk about her much but dominique fishback another great role in the movie well, i don't i don't she was significant and i think maybe she will be significant moving forward like she might have a bigger role moving forward whereas right. she was like the like she was like the the she was like the encyclopedia like any like they had it, they needed yes. information. She was like, boom! Like she was the internet, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, she was definitely. I. I mean, she was a lead, but I feel like that they didn't give her much. They gave her story in the beginning, like her curiosity. She's like, I'm. I'm more knowledgeable than the curators in the museum. Yeah. And. And I. And she knew a lot more. Yeah, showcasing that. Like, that was that was good. Like with the whole. Yeah. With you know, being a woman trying to succeed in that, in that field and trying to be seen mm-hmm. as a woman of color in the mid nineties, like, you know, trying not to be forgotten, but trying to showcase your skills and how, and what you can bring to the team. And that, what she didn't get from them, what we saw her give to the Autobots and the Maximals. Yeah. And then also at the end of the movie, we see that she's on like 60 minutes or something and kind of like she's get she's given the credit for the discovery of, the like the underground city that was in Peru, and so like she and he and Anthony Ramos goes way to go Brooklyn or something along those yeah. lines. Um, yeah, I feel like that about story wise, she wasn't given much unfortunately after we started going to Peru, but she was there for the action and kind of destroying. She was there doing all this and it's like. Well, she closed. I mean, she was the she's the one who closed the portal, essentially. Yes, yeah. But about as far as story wise, like they kind of. They were really more focusing on the relationship between Anthony Ramos, his brother, and Mirage when it came down to like the heartstrings of the Correct. movie. And she was very much like the tech savvy person, the like you said, the encyclopedia. Um, and that was kind of her role. But maybe moving forward, she might have something more to do. Maybe give her more of a personality, or, more, or not personality, but more of like a personal story if they wanted to go down further with that. But I thought her role was good. Like I, I, I enjoyed her role, but definitely the. 
the crux of the film was Anthony Ramos, and and also what a you know, what a what a great lead for him. Absolutely, in, in this movie. And I am excited for what they set up at what they set up at the end, which was tell which em. was tell arguably which in the interview they didn't shoot that until a month before the movie came out. How crazy is that? I. I also I, I think I have an interview I can I can pull up. It's, I, it could have been from, I could have been similar, but I got it from comicbook.com. They interviewed them, or somebody interviewed them, and it was from, from a producer, uh, Anthony Ramos, and the director, and it was like in consequence. But they filmed a version of that, yeah, where it did not say it said something else in the back. Sect- of the car. It was this. It was Sector Seven, which Sector was like, Seven, which was like from the first Transformers movie. From the first, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think we said it. Tell, Tell them, Ernesto. What was so the they are they're gonna do the GI Joe Transformers crossover, which, which was like the biggest bombshell in the theater. Like everybody yes. was going nuts, and I think you know what that on top of the movie already being good, that was just a beautiful added bonus. That's like you just hooked you just hooked a bunch of people on for this trilogy because you gave us something to look forward to. Yeah, and it's and something so completely different. It it completely shocked me. I, I I applaud them for getting that done because I was like, get out of here, really? We're this is what we're doing. I didn't I didn't think you had it in you to make this a crossover. Um, and to the then that going back to what I was saying, like I had a little bit of issue with like Anthony Ramos becoming Iron Man, but then when the Joes got involved, I was like, I'm on board for this now. <laughs> Now we're talking. We can give me Iron Man's all day. You know, you teased it before we even knew what was going on. Like that to me, I was 100% on board for. And so like, I don't know, like the, the, the possibilities are, are, are there. Like you generated so much more excitement for the next Transformers movie. And honestly, that's how you make yep. money. We're getting that. We're getting right the there. Hasbro CU. <laughs> the H the uh, HCU. It's it's about damn when I wonder if there's that, gonna that, be any connectedness to the to the GI Joe movies that are already in that are already there that are already canon. I, we don't need it. No, we don't need it. We but I mean, connected. why all the other Transformers movies are? Like, I wonder what is this well, like? Because that IP is still. I mean, it's still there. I mean, we just had the Snake Eyes movie, like less than a couple years that's ago. That's true. We had Snake Eyes, uh, yeah, less than a couple of years ago, and then we also had the, the two GI Joes movies, one with Channing Tatum as the lead, and then the other one with The Rock kind of took over at that point. Of course, <laughs> so of course he did. Like he, like you had Brendan Fraser for Journey to the Center of the Earth, and then Dwayne Johnson took over. It's like, where's Brendan Fraser? I don't know. It's my franchise. He's now. dead. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> GI Joe, Dwayne Johnson, my franchise now. Fast and Furious. He tried. He more than he tried, but Ben Diesel was like, "No, you're not part of the family, brother." <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I found the um, I found the video from comicbook.com. Again, the first voice you're gonna hear is the producer, then Anthony Ramos, and then the director. So, producer on the GI Joe movies, and there is an awesome 
G.I. Joe tees at the end of Rise of the yes. Beast. How did that come together? What are you guys thinking about playing there? We've talked about it probably since the beginning of the franchise because the fans have been like, come on, what are you going to do, Joe? Right? The truth of the matter is there's so many great Transformers characters. We didn't feel like we needed to just rush in, into G.I. Joe. By creating a character, Anthony's character, who can't get a job, right? The world is not easy on him. And at the end of this movie, he gets offered the greatest job ever. So that's really, in a way, how it happened, because we finally found a way to, like, organically bring it in. I, I, I knew about it. It took a long, long process to get that approved. There's a lot of producers, a lot yeah. of people mm -hmm. involved in that. But finally, um, they did, probably about three weeks ago, to be honest. There was a different thing on that card, but thankfully, we were able to, you know, get that approved. And, and I'm just excited to, to merge the worlds, you know, and to see how we can really expand the world of G.I. Joe and, and, and Transformers. Noah had problems with his job and getting one. When developing his character, I was like, it'd be nice if the organization, which is the military, was the one to come and say, hey, we're taking care of your brother and your problems. But G.I. Joe feels really strong. And then I remember the graphic novel, the comic book. So when I presented it to the studio and the team and they all saw the graphic novel, I felt like I saw their eyes sort of light up and be like, okay, now we have an outlet. And it just opens doors for like where we want to go next. There are a few ideas I have in terms of where we can go, what kind of Joe's characters are in a mix, and, you know, how grounded we can make the Joe's as well. They're also produced on the GM. So, I mean, that's all that's exciting. And to say that they had an opportunity that it almost didn't happen, like, how, how can you be an executive on the, on the film and the studio and be like, how can you not be excited about this you know like how it's to me it's a no-brainer of course we're gonna mix it up i'm sure there could be a couple of legalities behind it but i mean looks like they made it happen for the right reasons as well oh i'm here for it i i want to i, I want to find this comic book and i want to add it to it i want to add it to my collection because i already know it's probably going to be a thing but so i i do own a transformers graphic novel uh and they have um mixed with very many different franchises they've i've seen the one for gi joe they've also have a run with a, a transformers uh crossover with terminator really and the, yes and the one that i own is the transformers uh crossover with back to the future that's awesome <laughs> so they've definitely done this before and I mean, Hasbro, I believe, owns both G.I. Joe and Transformers, and it's also under the same Paramount family. So, again, no brainer. And like I said before, this generates so much excitement for what this could be. And quite honestly, I know within the last two movies that they're trying to fit it within the Michael Bay five films. But if, if this crossover means that it doesn't work within the Michael Bay films, that's okay. Uh, These can it be does. its own thing. I mean, he still produced this movie, so I think it's still within his universe. Yeah, which, but even if it if it's not like a hundred percent canon, we're like, no, oh, never mind. This is gonna be its own standalone trilogy. Then I'm okay with that. If if it's for the sacrifice of the Joes crossing over with Transformers, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. Um, but yeah, to me, I to me that was the biggest shock in the movie. I was definitely not looking, definitely not anticipating that. Um, and yeah, it, to me, it, it really made the movie a lot better than like, it made a, a good movie to like, not, I wouldn't say a great movie, but it went, it, it definitely gave that extra push. Like, like even as the director said, he's like, 
Yeah, we definitely had something else on the other side of that card. But when you say, like, he said that going into the military. But when you say G.I. Joe's, it just makes it feel strong. And he's right. Like, that, it gives that punch. And also it gives it that, like, come come next time. You thought you were done with the Transformers. Wait till you see this. Yeah. And now that made me from having low expectations going into this one and not really kind of being surprised at what this movie was and kind of, like, not really going in there... 100% like looking forward to what, what I was about to watch because I've seen other Transformers movies before. It's almost like I know what I'm walking myself into, so my expectations are low. But now going into the next one, it's yeah, high. I agree. It, it's high. It's high now. Um, but Ernesto, let's go into our final thoughts. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I think I maybe enjoyed it a little bit more than you. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it was fun. It was a fun movie. It was a, re- a refreshing reboot. For the ooh, I like or, that. Yeah, well, yeah. It was a refreshing reboot for the for the Transformers IP, and I think that it's they're going in a new direction. And this GI Joe Transformers, um, I'm I'm here for it. I'm I'm very curious to see what's gonna what's gonna come of this. Um, that from what I hear, they're in talks because I uh, deadline. They did like a thirty minute. Um, podcast with the director where he talks he was talking about that he talked about the obviously that main thing he talked about the visual effects it was over 1500 between 1500 and 1800 visual effects shots done in this film because he's he said he really wanted to focus on like seeing optimus up close and like yeah like when you see the cars transform it's very practical like you see all the parts as it's as it's transforming. And, I, and that was one of the things that he really wanted to, to focus on because he said Michael Bay would focus on really wide, far away shots because mm-hmm. it's really expensive to show robots on as a sure. vi- as for visual effects. But, he, but in order to tell that story, he had to get these up-close, really detailed shots of the robots, which we do see in the film, which, which I think is what brought us into a much, like... M- more like, just just a better story like, a, uh, like probably like a more personal yeah, story as well it. because be able to get some maybe some emotion correct, there too correct. yeah and i and i and i think th- those were the thing that and the obviously the gi joe thing at the end those were the things that really sold the film and i'm just excited to see what comes of it in the future and it's funny because we we were going into this week trying to like do we review transformers is it worth our time and we both said we both said eventually obviously we said yes on doing it uh, for more curiosity of out of anything, it's like, was Bumblebee a fluke? Was it was it just the one good movie and the rest was just going to be all right? But no, it was it was a good blockbuster fun movie. Yeah. And it had a lot of heart in there. And like it, it was like they didn't like overthrow you with too many Transformers and too many confusing action pieces. I can tell you the majority. I, I, don't, I mean, I couldn't tell you the villains except for Scorch or whatever his name was. Um, like I know he was the main villain. He had his two goons yeah. with him, but like, as far as the Autobots, yeah, you had Mirage, you had, I think her name was Ares was the other one. And then you had obviously Optimus and Bumblebee. And then you had, um, the, the primals or the, the, the maximals. Yeah. And they all like, I was able to follow that story along very easily. And it wasn't that confusing at all. Um, yeah, a couple of the middle part for me was a little bit, you know, uh, a little slow, but once we got introduced and got more involved with the story, and I think the story helped. The story, a strong story, like we said with anything else, 
it was able to bring that together. You had that kind of strong beginning of establishing the human stories. And then when we got to the Maximals, we it really solidified the connection between the Autobots and the Transformers, as well as the Primals um, with the human connection. And I think that right there paid off for the epic climactic ending that we got uh, with, with the epic fight scene. And with that, to me... Like, I love the score from, you know, the original Transformers. Like, and when, the you know, the, the Optimus was sacrificing himself and when Anthony Ramos saved him and they kind of he kind of pulled him back and um, Optimus uh, Primal also was there to kind of catch them and save the day. Once they were running and they played the Autobots theme song. I to me, I got goosebumps. Like, oh man, they just did that. They just played the theme as they were kind of running as being heroes. It's like something I wasn't expecting because, like, that's a theme I haven't heard really since like the first movie. And they played it like little bits in here, but like they didn't play it at all during Bumblebee. So it's been a long time since I I heard yeah. that tune. So when I heard the theme kind of playing it in that epic climactic moment, I was like, ooh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's a good score right there. Um, and I listened to it immediately after I watched the movie. And, um, you know, at, at least box office numbers is doing pretty well worldwide. It has $193 million domestically right now. It's it's $73 million. Um, it, it, um, it came in number one at the box office, which it was on a tight race mm -hmm. with Across the Spider-Verse. It ended up beating it by $5 million. But, like, also, just to kind of... Put it put this in perspective which i don't think i don't know if this has ever happened before i have to do a lot more research to kind of figure this out but the top three in the box office transformers rise of the beast then across the spider-verse then the little mermaid all three movies the leads were it's, uh, it's diverse people of oh. color oh yeah yeah for the top three have, <clears throat> for the top three and i was like oh that's something I don't think I've ever seen before, um, at least as I was keeping up with the weekend box offices. I, like, I don't remember having a, like the top three mm. being, you know, like you have like an, a primarily diverse cast hitting in all three films. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool to see. But yeah, I mean, even with the tight race between across with Transformers coming out on top, it, it shows that people are still interested in this franchise. I think this was a welcomed this was a welcomed thing for them. Yeah. So, who knew Transformers a welcome uh uh a, like Ernesto said a refreshing reboot that, you know, and then with the GI Joe was the 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 cherry on top of what made this movie pretty good and a and a fun watch. Um but anyway, there you go. That's our spoiler review on Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Uh it's in theaters now and like we've said before, it was actually a pleasant surprise. So go out into theaters if you haven't watched it. Uh, we kind of sport a lot of the movie for you, but it, nevertheless, it was a pretty good movie. But with that, Ernesto, tell our listeners what they can look forward to next week. It is time. We will finally, it's finally being released. We will be reviewing The Flash, which is based off the Fla uh, Flashpoint DC comic series. Um, I mean, I mean, this is gonna kind of the the end cap of the Snyderverse and what the what the thread is gonna be into the James Gunn DCEU. 
universe. You know, it's <clears throat> it. I am really excited to see this film because there's a lot more people besides Ezra Miller, because um, it, this person is troubled. You know, he's, mm-hmm. this person's been through a lot of, is done a lot of really bad things. Mm-hmm. Hurt a, hurt a lot of good people. And, you know, it seems like the subsequent thing of that was to not let him promote the film, which he really hasn't. I think there were some reports that he made a rare appearance on the on the on the red carpet. And he gave he did give a a little speech. And Mm -hmm. we're going to get into more of that uh, next week, because I don't think that you should not go see it because of him, because this I mean, what is the budget on this film? Like over 200 million. Like he's not the only like the amount of visual effects artists, all the other actors, like the directors. Like, yeah, he is the Flash, and you know we'll see what that looks like on the other side of this. Whether mm-hmm. or not James Gunn, like, are they are they gonna give him a sec? Is he gonna get? Are they giving him a second chance? Well, I mean, they, I don't know. the The director said if, and this is from the director saying he's like, if the direct the director said that if. Um, if they make a Flash two, Ezra Miller will be his Flash. So he's he's come out and said that. But on to the to the point of the director, is that up to you? Is up to James Gunn? Yeah. So James Gunn has the end all be all on what the future is going to hold for the Flash. But I think this movie has a lot of hype around it. Not only is this the this is the flashpoint that's going to be on the big screen you have what's going to how is this going to set forward the you know kind of push forward the mcu you said like yourself sorry how is this pushing forward the dcu with james gunn how is this maybe capping off the Zack snyder universe and as well as the return of michael keaton as batman and that's already exciting itself and who knows we might see other characters or other people reprise their roles mm-hmm. we are dealing with with the multiverse mm-hmm. so or i think that's what they're calling it yeah. right yeah so we are dealing with that so you don't know what other things that might pop up in this movie and it, be, it becomes very exciting to see kind of all this unfold and it's been talked about for months even years leading up to this movie so it has me really excited to see how this all unfolds, and I'm very excited that we're only a couple days away from watching it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see it. It's just, I'm excited. It's just the the all the Ezra Miller stuff is. I know it is a little. It's it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, but I think it's obviously it's going to do well. I mean, Michael Keaton is a legend. Mm-hmm. Like, like if yeah. not, go for him alone. <laughs> yeah, and then also in terms of just like how it's going to look at the box office as well is the flash how how big is the flash going to be it also has competition with obviously the transformers movie and across the spider-verse it also has competition with the other new release that's coming out elemental and also wes anderson's new movie asteroid Mm -hmm. city which i believe i'm pretty sure does come out the same weekend as well so it has like how many factors is it is it playing into like well i'm going to take my kid to go see a pixar movie i'm more of an uh, I love Wes Anderson, so I'm gonna go watch that movie. So, how many people are gonna be like diluting the maybe some of the box office return that the Flash is gonna get, or are all the comic book nerds are coming out to see what this movie is all I'm about? Sure. We'll find out all next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, very excited to talk about the Flash and all of it, all all of the drama that's surrounding it. It's also the best <laughs> part about it. Um, but there you go. That's all the show we have for you guys. 
this week. As always, if you want more from us, you can find us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, as well as our Facebook and TikTok page at box office bingers and our Twitter page at box office binger without the S. Right now, we're still working on something new, but you can also find us on YouTube at box office bingers. We're working on video. So far, you can watch the Fast X episode on on our YouTube channel, as well as uh, this episode right here is <laughs> this this right here will be on our YouTube channel. So if you want to see our smiling faces for about I don't know two hours, we've been probably talking so far. Um, we're on YouTube, and so we're we're working well with it. With Ernesto's doing a great job of kind of like. Pushing us forward into the video stuff. I mean, I'm trying. I, and I know there are people like, well, you just have to do this and this. Like, listen, <laughs> I have four kids. And I have a full-time job. I'm trying to do I'm trying to do what I can. I'm working on it. You did a so great job. So we've got video for just me and you. Now, as far as bringing on a guest, it's just a hurdle I'm, I'm currently facing. But I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. But he's working on it. And as well as we're, you know, we're trying to improve as we go. So select episodes will be available on our YouTube channel. We'll put yeah. it that way. When it's just the two of us, most likely you'll be able to find it on YouTube from here on out. So when we have a guest, go back to wherever your pot, wherever you listen At to least podcasts. For now, <laughs> for now. We, we, and, and regardless, wherever you listen to podcasts, we will still yeah, be there. Exactly, we're still there. Uh, but we're still working with a whole bunch. Of, we're trying to understand the social media thing as well. We're trying to. We're working with all. We're just putting it out there and see yeah. what sticks to the wall at this yeah. point. <laughs> we're just having a good time, really. Uh, <laughs> we're having a good. And really, we're just having a good time. Like we we talked about, like I don't know how long about Transformers. You want to have a good time? We have a hundred other episodes you can listen to. <laughs> we're just all having a good time. We have a plethora of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I thank all of our listeners. Thank you each each and every one of you for coming on our show each and every week and just listening to us talk about movies. Really do appreciate it. Come back next week for more movie fun. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. And Ernesto Santos. See ya.